This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. With nearly 60,000 migrants in the city's care, officials are going back to a familiar location to house asylum seekers, Randall's Island. Officials announced that a humanitarian emergency relief center will be placed back on the island, this time for 2,000 single adult migrants. The city will soon be opening a site out in eastern Queens in the parking lot of the Creenmore Psychiatric Center. Randall's Island was one of the first locations the city used to house dozens of migrants last fall when only about 15,000 migrants had arrived. We're getting a new look at the cleanup underway in Union Square after chaos on Friday. Thousands of teens showed up for a giveaway, but then ended up ripping down construction barriers, using fire extinguishers to spray the crowd, and climbing onto the roof of a subway entrance under construction. Well, today, the sub, the Union Square market was back up and running, and people enjoyed snacks at yellow chairs and tables that had been used as projectiles on Friday. Officially, the MTA says it's still assessing the damage to the new entrance to the Union Square station that is now under construction. It could be as much as $200,000 because the roof to the entrance that people were jumping and dancing on had been recently installed and may have to be replaced. Deranged Jack Smith. He's a deranged human being. Former President Donald Trump lasting special counsel Jack Smith. This guy's a maniac. It was part of a weekend-filled broadside against key people in the latest criminal case aimed at the former president. A fusillade that continued Monday sparked prosecutors to apply for a protective order to limit what Trump and his lawyers can share publicly about the case. The press and the American people in a campaign season have a right to know what the evidence is in this case, provided that this evidence is not protected otherwise. Did Donald Trump lose the 2020 election? Whoever puts their hand on the Bible on January 20th every four years uh, is the winner. Okay, but respectfully, you did not clearly answer that question. And if you can't give a yes or no on whether or not Trump lost, then how... Well, he lost, no, of, of course he lost. Uh, Trump lost the 2020 uh, election. Of course. Okay. Uh, Joe Biden is the president. Trust me, it wasn't easy. People counted you out saying you're past your prime. Hell, I know something about that. You ask him, Olivia, baby. Will a little more love make it right? The great Olivia Newton-John as we kick off Tuesdays, sitting friends in the morning. And usually when we use a song at the beginning of the show, there is some significance. Sometimes it just relates to the story, the last story in those great Justin Ellick opens. 
That's not the case here. The last story was the World Series champion Houston Astros visiting that moron Joe Biden at the White House yesterday. Joe actually made a pretty good joke. He's right. You know, Dusty Baker, the manager, some say you passed your prime. I can understand that. That was kind of funny. But uh, this song is not about that. This is, once again, the great Olivia Newton-John and Lou Ruffino, who, again, I did miss a lot last week, desperately. He reminds me that today is the commemoration hate the word anniversary, in spots like this. Today is the commemoration of the death of the adorable Olivia Newton-John. Did she die last year on this day or two years ago? Last year, 2022, uh, on this day, at 73. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah, she was a cutie. So uh, God rest her soul. We'll play a bunch of Olivia Newton-John throughout today's program. We've got a great guest list today. You heard Justin read it off with Noam. Right before our show started, Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle, Liz Pipko, Bill O'Reilly, Monica Crowley, Paul DiGiacomo, he heads the DEA, not the Drug Enforcement Agent, the uh, the Detective Endowment Agency, and making a return to sit in Friends in the Morning, a guy that I convinced years ago to join me and Bernie somewhat regularly, but he disappeared the last couple of years. But he is back and enthusiastic, part of that legendary Opie and Anthony combination, the talented one, Anthony Cumia, back with me coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. I want to ask Anthony if he knows about the story that Opie told a couple of months ago that WABC offered him the morning show after I miss before me and Bernie. Now, me and Bernie, of course, had a great relationship right up until the moment he left us about 10 months ago. We never, ever, ever had any issues. Did we disagree? Sure we did. Absolutely. Did I yell at Bernie? Absolutely. Many times, (laughs) to be honest, which you guys don't even know about. That's fine. But we loved each other every day and until the very end. Unlike Mike and the Mad Dog, for example, they hated each other's guts after 20 years. Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, unlike Opie and Anthony, they also had a very, very messy breakup. A lot of these teams, these radio teams, do that because one guy always feels like he's better than the other. And most of the time, one guy is better than the other, just so you know. Uh, But one guy feels that way. The other guy feels like, well... You don't get paid as much. Like for a while there, Mike got paid more than Chris. What are you nuts? That was a point of contention. So me and Bernie made sure from day one that wasn't going to happen. And we got something called the something clause. I forget what it's called now. I did our contracts, just so you know. Through Heather Cohen, I did me and Bernie's contracts with a little help from Ron Kobe. And I made sure, at least early on, we got the same money. That did change later. But early on, we got the same money because then there was not going to be a fight about, well, he makes more than me, blah, blah, blah. So Opie and Anthony had a very ugly breakup. I don't know if they're even talking today. I don't know. We'll talk to Anthony Cumia coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. So the ratings came back yesterday. I never talk ratings on this show, never. But I'm going to do it this morning. And we did great again. Average quarter hour, Nielsen. Morning drive, six. That is a huge number. A huge number. 
doubled everybody else at this station and basically everybody else in this market. It's not even close. Not even close. Even Frank Morano said to me this morning, he's like, how do you get that number in July? I said, I don't know. We just come in every day, the four of us, me, Lou, Justin, and Noam, and we try to do a great show. And clearly, we are doing it because the last six or seven months, the ratings have been historic here. No morning show in the history of this station. Not Ron and Kuby, not Imus, not even me and Byrne. No morning show got the ratings we've been getting now for quite some time. That's a fact. And I have to think Lewis is the reason why. I have to think that, too. Yeah. Now, if we had Bill Shatner like Frank does. Yeah, we don't get we, Bill. Or no. Ralph Nader. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Scott. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Scott. <laughs> we need to start talking more about uh, UFOs, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Now, tell me what that left star to the north of Orion's belt. I have been asking this question aye, aye, aye. so many times in the past. Yeah. I got I to gotta talk to Frank about that. <laughs> that should be a fun conversation. Yeah, well, I think he, I think he gets it at this point i do but well he'll be on tomorrow frank morano uh, no one better than frank i love frank love him does a great job he'll be on tomorrow so yesterday before we get to the news of the day i'm in the gym and i like to watch stuff on instagram in between sets so i'm doing shoulders you know and i'm powering up these dumbbells and in between sets i catch my breath and i look at instagram so all of a sudden the scotto sisters pop up now, what the Scotto sisters is, is Rosanna Scotto, monster star at Channel 5, Good Day in New York. Her and her sisters, Elena, she's got one other sister, I forgot the name, I believe. They they do this Instagram live show every day, the Scotto sisters. So I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it. Now, you have to understand, when these Instagram shows pop up, if you are tuned in, your name automatically ends up in the chat room. So lo and behold, whose names are in the chat room, Sid Rosenberg and Elvis Duran, the real morning king at Z100. No one gets the ratings. Elvis gets, except for maybe Jim Kerr. Shouldn't say that. Both Elvis and Kerr on the FM dial get great ratings. Great. Bigger than ours. So me and Elvis are in the room together with the Scotto sisters. And the next thing you know, Lou, I get an invitation to join the IG show. Now, I'm in the gym. I'm sitting there. It's crowded. I can't hear. My phone is a couple of feet away from me. But I accepted it. And the next thing you know, I'm live on the air with Rosanna and Elena Scotto, the Scotto sisters show, which is very popular, mind you. In fact, uh, Frank Morano joked this morning, he was on Dan Abrams last night on that uh, crappy news nation. Abrams is on what right after Chris Cuomo. And he said, you probably had more viewers watching you and Rosanna Scotto than I did on News Nation last night. And by the way, Frank, you're right. So I accept the invitation, and the next thing you know, I'm on the show live. How? Because on Instagram Live, the host can send you an invitation. So it's Rosanna, her sister, and me. And I'm in the gym working out. (laughs) I'm in the gym working out. So I can't really hear her, so i got to put the phone to my ear every couple of seconds, which doesn't work because I'm on video. But then I would put the phone back, and she can see me. Long story short, she goes, you know, Sid, Elvis Duran 
is drunk and naked. It's his birthday. And I said, wow, well, good for him. I'm jealous. I'm in the gym right now pumping iron. I wish I was drunk and naked. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, here's what I'm going to do. So I ripped my shirt off. I knew it. You knew it, didn't you? Yep. I just turned to judge. <laughs> You've got to be a shirt off. Part of this so story. next thing you know, <laughs> here I am on the Instagram Live Scotto Sisters show, shirtless in the gym. And Elena covers her face and laughs. And Rosanna covers her face and laughs. And they loved it. So I end up putting my shirt back on. I say goodbye. And then Elvis pops up. He comes on. And I'm watching this live. And Elvis goes, wow, what a show today. You talk about star power. Sid Rosenberg and Elvis Duran on an Instagram live show. Way to go, Scott O'Girls. And Rosanna goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, Sid took his shirt off. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. And Elvis goes, nobody wants to see my floppy titties. (laughs) (laughs) So he didn't take his shirt off. And long story short, I did text Rosanna afterwards. I'm like, was that okay? She goes, okay. That was one of the highlights in the history of our show. We loved it. And then she actually put something on Instagram that read, Sid Rosenberg took his shirt off. Elvis, the ball's in your court. What are you going to do next? So it was a pretty funny, little funny uh, bit there. And now she has a new screensaver. (laughs) Well, I do have it up on my account, Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Oh, yeah. You got Rosanna, (laughs) Elena, and me shirtless at the gym. Once again, at Rosenberg.Sydney. That's my Instagram account. It's also on Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. I don't tweet anymore. So it's at Rosenberg.Sydney, Instagram. Follow me today and Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. And my gym is actually the YMCA, which is in a little place called Avern. Is that how you say it? No, Arvern. Arvern. Okay. Now, you live in Arvern. I'm close to where this is. Yes, I'm closer. Okay. Okay. I'm not that far down, but I'm... You're like three blocks away, literally. Something like that. Three blocks. So I'm looking to my left this morning, and they've got New York One, the local news station back on the television, and they're talking about a shark attack. In Arvern, New York, where I work out every day, Lou lives about three blocks away, right there on Rockaway Beach, a shark attack on Arvern Beach. Now, I don't know if you go to that beach. I don't know what you and MJ do. I, I don't go near that spot. Okay. No. It was a surfer, though. It was, you know, they, they, they never stop. Surfers. Was it a boy or a girl? Do you lose a, a limb? Fe- or Female. Female. Like gnome knows either, yeah, but it's a- it was a 50-year-old woman. Did she lose a limb or anything? Or? Uh, it's a, she might have bled out or something. She it's not died? Really, well, no, she's still alive. Oh, you but said she, she bled out. I bled out. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound like she died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she's in critical condition. <laughs> oh, right. my God. Jeez. I, meant, I, I was meaning that maybe it was the blood. Yeah. She, she was bitten in the leg. Oh, boy. Yeah, this was 6 o'clock. The lifeguards were still there. And all of a sudden, people just started, you know, screaming for help. And Jeez. I don't even know how they were able to bring her in. She was, she wasn't that far off, by the way. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was deep into the water. She was already sort of all the way in yeah. when she got bit. That, of course, is the voice of Noam Layden, now a news director, does a tremendous show at five to six a.m. every uh, weekday morning. The last month, you didn't help me in the ratings. I got to be honest. Not that Frank Morano. Oh, really? What did I get? I didn't no, you guys it. both suck. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe try taking your shirt off. A little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe, try yeah. taking your shirt off once in a while. <laughs> what um? What is the big story? What was your big story at five o'clock today? I'm well, curious. that's that's a big story. The shark bite in the Rockways. You know, that's a, of course a really popular beach, Beach Fifty Ninth Street, Rockway Beach. It was a lot of people there, even on a bad day, and it was cloudy. 
And so now, of course, they're going to keep that beach closed to like 11 as they send those drones back out into the water, make sure that they don't see any sharks, and they'll let people back onto the beach. So, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that big a story. Yeah, well, you know, shark yeah, bites sh- a big story. A shark? Yes. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Not I know. that far out. I don't know if yeah. there was a real injury. Uh, give me something else, though, besides this uh, shark attack. Person bled out. What do you want? <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Uh, were you talking this morning about uh, Eric Adams, for example? Yes. With the cars, the SUVs. What is that story? Which, about? Oh, I don't know the SUV story. I'm not sure about that one. Well, I guess there was a story in uh, yesterday's New York Post that Eric Adams spent nearly $400,000 on his own personal SUVs, and one of them, one of those SUVs, shut up, Justin, I hear you, one of those SUVs, all it does is house Eric Adams' clothing. (laughs) You didn't hear this? Uh, You know, I heard bits and pieces of this story, yeah. Yeah, four SUVs, nearly $400,000, and one of those SUVs houses the mayor's clothing. Eric Adams won't take the subways, yet big bucks we spent on the five SUVs, his cars. Mayor Adams, swagger man with no plan, you can watch him commute. Wasting gasoline is cars. And I'm happy to stand here today with the city council colleagues to announce we have reached an adopted budget agreement of approximately $107 billion. And most importantly, invested in working people and the services they need. Eric Adams and his five SUVs, they pollute the city, never riding his bike to City Hall. Mayor Adams, the nightlife mayor, samples the product, just a club zero bond in cars. Judge uh, set the deadline to that protective order. Noam, what's uh, what's the latest with that one, too? You I know, know the, they want to keep Donald Trump quiet. He's like, I'm not going to do it. But I guess his lawyers had to do it. What happened yesterday? Yeah, they're pushing back. And it's not really clear what's going to happen here because uh, he says, look, I have the right to talk and speak and go on to Truth Social and say what I want to say. And he doesn't think what he's doing is threatening. His lawyers pushing back hard, but there's probably not a whole lot they can do. And the, ultimately, these prosecutors uh, in Washington and the people running these indictments have the final say. Ultimately, they do. Roger Stone was on this show yesterday. This is Cut 9, Lewis. He does a big-time two-hour show every Sunday morning, and he spoke specifically about the protective order. I think Stone is on 3 to 5 on Sundays. I like him. I like him a lot. And not because he talks about, well, I just like him a lot. Here's uh, Roger Stone, (laughs) cut number 9 on the protective order on this show yesterday morning. The DOJ requesting this protective order. Uh, from Trump's attorneys, to me it sounds like a First Amendment deal that Trump should have, but nevertheless, it looks like the Trump attorneys will have to do it. Not much of a choice. Your thoughts? Uh, This is exactly, of course, what they did to me. You see, first they gag you, then they lynch you. This is exactly how it works. So the judge in my case gagged me, meaning I couldn't offer any public defense of myself. CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, they could they could dump a load of dung on me every single day, calling me a Russian spy, calling me a traitor. But if I defended myself, said, well, I might be I might be tainting the jury pool, although in D.C. it's impossible to taint the jury pool because the jury voted 
93 to 3 for Hillary Clinton uh, at that point. Right. So uh, it's it's unconstitutional. But in my case, we even appealed it. And the district appeals court sat on it until the day before my trial. In other words, and then they denied it. Uh, They upheld the gag rule. So, yes, as outrageous as it is, they will try to hobble Donald Trump's campaign for president by limiting his free speech. The good news is I think his lawyers are prepared to uh, to uh, to oppose it and then to appeal immediately uh, if they are overruled. Finally, no more. Fat Chris Christie was out on CNN saying, uh, pertaining to this, that Donald Trump is actually out on bail, folks. He's out on bail. He's been arrested in Washington, D.C. He's been arrested in New York. He's been arrested in Florida. And, of course, he was a prosecutor, Chris Christie, before he sat his fat ass on the beach. And he said that, uh, listen, sometimes we do have uh, rules for people who are out on bail. These are one of the rules that Donald Trump practically refuses to abide by. But it's interesting, Noam, to hear Chris Christie say the president or former president of the United States is out on bail. Yeah, well, look, it sounds great. And he's for sure the Republican hitman in this case on the campaign trail. He's there to just punch away at Donald Trump all day. And he's done that. And, you know, it was interesting to see what he had to say about these indictments. He thought this latest one was ironclad and he thought that Donald Trump will get a fair hearing, even in Washington, D.C., where, what is it, 96 percent of the yeah, voters please. are Democrats. Yeah. Um, and, you know, coming from Chris Christie, it is interesting, right, when he was D.A. in um, uh, uh, in uh, New Jersey, he was undefeated in all of his cases. So he does know something about prosecuting someone. Um, and he he says he thinks, of course, he hates Donald Trump, yep. but he says he thinks he will get a hair, fair hearing in Washington. Yeah, good luck with that. Great job there, Noam Layton. And we've got so much more to cover this morning. All those big stories and more. And again, a great guest list, which includes Liz Pipko back in New York, back in studio later on this morning. Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, Monica Crowley, Paul DiGiacomo, and Anthony, Anthony Cumia. All on this Tuesday morning on the number one rated news talk morning show in New York. That's us. Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, W-A-B-C. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Where the Streets Have No Name, classic U2, great song. One of their very best, Where the Streets Have No Name. And much like we played the Olivia Newton-John song to start today's program because she died a year ago today. The good news is Bono, Larry Mullen Jr., Adam Clayton, The Edge, no one died. But one of those four men is celebrating a birthday today, and that would be The Edge. The Edge is a serious, serious rock star. Happy birthday to The Edge. You too, where the streets have no name. I can just hear Imus now. The I-Man would be going, well, you're, you're, if you want to be a DJ, well, why don't you just call Jim Kerr and go play rock and roll records? Or if you want to be a rock and roll DJ, why don't you just call your friend Jim Kerr? Shut up, Imus. Yes, I'm having a conversation with myself <laughs> about a dead guy. I am. That's <laughs> how close I'm getting to Imus. <laughs> you, you are really absorbed a lot of But you know he would do that. You, you know he would do that. I remember when I first got the job at FBN and I was, the Giants were going to the Super Bowl and they were playing the Baltimore Ravens. They got killed. But, you know, my tape that Imus played on the air, and you guys are no help. You, Bernie, all you bastards, laughing the whole time. The tape that I sent to Journey, part of my um, audition tape, was when I was on WDW with Craig Carton on the way to Tampa for the Ravens and the Giants. I was yelling, if you're on the Belt Parkway, if you're on the LIE, if you're on the GW Bridge, roll down your windows. And I was just like, I know if you want to do traffic, why don't you just be a traffic guy? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I was trying to express to all the different areas in New York that the Giants, oh, you want to do traffic. So that's why I just thought of, of that. I actually remember because I remember the, sh- the the shape of the tape, what shape it was. It was awful. I had to fix it. Yeah, I know. It was, yeah. I, I think it was almost burned on a CD, too, or something. Uh, I think it was. And it was so crudded up and filthy, and oh, yeah. it wasn't yeah. going to play. And that took about a half hour. Well, you want to know the truth, and, and I'm not sure if I've ever revealed this <laughs> well, or not. I don't know what you did off that disc. But... I don't know, but there was a lot on that disc, including, and this may be the first time this has ever been revealed, just so you know, when a program director or a vice president asks you for a tape, they don't listen. How do I know that? Because on that same exact tape, with the WNEW yelling about the Giants, was the Serena and Venus comments, which oh. I made in Miami. Years before, I did it on Imus, and FAN still hired me. So if Chernoff had heard that, you're well, saying... he had the tape. Yeah, I guess so, so then I made the same remark. I said to myself, well, this must be okay, because it was on the rehearsal tape, and what a disaster that turned out to be. Although, although I say disaster, it turned out to be great, because, again, for the 12 hours that I was fired for saying that stuff, which I am sorry I did. I said that in, I believe, both of my books. But for whatever it was worth, after making those comments, to wake up the next morning as a no-name, no one ever heard of me, I just started at WFAN, I miss, to hear Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh and all these people throughout the day go, hey, I have no idea who Sid Rosenberg is. I don't care. The last guy in the world that should suspend and or fire anybody for a possibly offensive racist remark is Don Imus. 
And Stern and Robin were going on and on about Amos calling her the N-word, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, who called me that night? Dugan. I said, the I-Man wants to talk to you. And I was back the next day. So I, I received this overwhelming amount of uh, support from all these really famous people when I was just getting started 23 years ago on Nobody in New York, and I never forgot that, including Opie and Anthony. Anthony Cumia will join us coming up at 9.10 today. Traffic coming up next with Joe Nolan. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight. My good buddy Frank Morano. Here Frank talks with Reverend Sean Whittington. How does one get into the business of being a Ghostbuster? I didn't wake up one morning and say that I wanted to be an exorcist. And I actually got drug into this field kicking and screaming. Uh, my wife and I had a paranormal team, Ghost Be Gone, for many years. And we went on a case and brought something back home with us from this case that was uh, very malevolent, very dark. And it took up residence in our home for about two months. So I reached out into the paranormal community and uh, I didn't expect to get any help, to be honest with you. But for once, they came through for me and introduced me to my then mentor, who is now retired. Uh, She was an ordained exorcist. And she walked me through how to fight this thing and get it out of our house. This is... Sid on Sports. Oh my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Back home at City Field, following a sweep at the hands of the Orioles in Baltimore. The Mets got back in the win column uh, with an 11-2 shellacking of the Cubs in the first of three against Chicago. Pete Alonso was the bearer of bad news for the Cubs all night long, sending out two long balls on the evening that would have single-handedly taken care of Chicago no problem. But Denny Mendick also went deep for the orange and blue for his uh, first homer in a Mets uniform. And Kodai Senga was nails on the bump for New York over six innings of two-run ball. The Mets will go for two straight and a quick series win tonight at 7.10 p.m. against the Cubs. Carlos Carrasco slated to get the start against Chicago's Jameson Tyone. As for the Yankees, they fell in the opener of a three-game set against the White Sox in Chicago by a score of 5-1. to one. Garrett Cole certainly was not his best on the mound, but still managed to grind out seven innings of work. It was the offense yet again that let New York down, only able to scrape across the one run over a six spread out hits. Also of note in this game, Chicago shortstop Tim Anderson went over two with two strikeouts in his first action since he was suspended for six games for his role in a fight with Cleveland slugger Jose Ramirez on Saturday. Anderson, who departed because of a bruised left forearm, is appealing the punishment, hence his appearance in last night's a ball game. And a quick update here on the Women's World Cup. These are your teams that have uh, made it through into the quarterfinals thus far. Spain, Netherlands, Japan. Nobody Sweden. cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, I know. The Americans are done. They're a bunch of wenches anyway. Nobody cares. Well, I was just going to list them just in Don't case even there's like one person No one cares. Just go to preseason football. They care more about that. Oh, okay. Giants and Lions on Friday night and Jets and Panthers on Saturday afternoon. Sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com. Find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Psychedelic Furs, Love My Way at 6.45 on your Tuesday morning. Back on Sid and Friends in the morning. Covered a lot already. Big guest list starting at 7 with Curtis, who's the man. Curtis Lee is the effing man, and that's it. But a big day all day. Liz Pipko back in studio. Curtis Bodiedle, Bill O'Reilly. He's going to stop by today. He'll be here twice this week as we're just about sold out. The big show coming up Friday, October the 27th at the Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island. O'Reilly's going to stop by and talk about some of that. Monica Crowley, she's always great. The head of the DEA, my dear friend Paul DiGiacomo, live in studio. And half, and the better half, of the phenomenon that was Opie and Anthony, Anthony Cumia, makes his return with me coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, Noam, where are we again? This is the uh, the news director, Noam Layden. Uh, now the, uh, now I've, I kind of go to Noam like he's uh, McCord or McShane, because he's really good on the air, really good. And he uh, has a pretty good grasp of what's going on in the news, so I like to use him. So give me the latest on what happened with this riot on Friday. So they're still looking for a bunch of teenagers who they have really good pictures of who were involved in uh, slamming cars. In some cases, there was like this one Uber driver that we talked to that he said all of a sudden these kids started jumping on top of his car amid these riots on Friday. They broke the glass of his windshield. He got out of the car and he said he feared for his life. He thought they were, they were going to kill him. <laughs> and so uh, he ran away. He's like, I'll just leave my car. It's only a vehicle. So there's a number of incidents like that. And so there's really clear photos that the NYPD are circulating and have been over the last 48, 72 hours. And they want to talk to these teenagers. And I imagine somebody will recognize these pictures and turn these kids in. And this has been designated a riot, right? I mean, there were obviously it was violence or arrest. This was a legitimate riot, right? No two ways about it. But the interesting thing is, is these kids will all get arrested. But Kai Sinat, the uh, Twitch influencer who was there to give away those 350 PlayStations and more, nothing is going to happen to him. Of course not. Nothing is going to happen. He's going to become even a bigger star. He is already a bigger star. He has more <laughs> right. subscribers today. I mean, I, I never heard of the guy before this. Not that I would ever subscribe. My son does like him. And I think so do your kids know They him. do, yeah. But uh, listen, uh, every now and then it takes a riot. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people showed up in Union Square. And, of course, like most Democrat rallies, because that's what it was, there was violence. There was throwing stuff at the cops. Oh, 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 a riot. Oh, no. Never believe it's peaceful. A riot. Oh, no. Never believe it's peaceful. Kind of funny that Kai said not was arrested for inciting a riot, but Jack Smith couldn't find a way to attach that to his latest indictment of Donald Trump on January 6th. That was uh, Chris Libertini and the very talented Lisa Orban, one of our very, very fine salespeople. So it turns out the Houston Astros went to the White House yesterday. They uh, won the World Series last year. Really one of the dumbest traditions in the history of our country has a sports team going to the White House. I mean, who cares? There's no bigger sports fan at this station than me, nobody. I made my bones in this business doing sports, WFAN, three different sports stations in Miami. I still love sports. I watch it all day, every day. But the idea that a team wins the World Series 
And I know that Nixon was uh, was uh, basically a, uh, a jock uh, sniffer, and so was Kennedy. I get all that when all this started back then. But it doesn't make any sense. You know, somebody finds a cure for cancer, fantastic. Some teacher does something, that's great. But to have these multimillionaire prima donnas arrive at the White House like they've done something great, they haven't done anything great. They won a championship. But in the big scheme of things, what does it mean? Nothing. It means nothing to see these presidents sit there and, and like I said, whether it was Kennedy or Nixon or this idiot yesterday embarrassed themselves, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, again, no one loves sports more than me. So Biden is out there yesterday, and he's uh, introducing the Astros and Dusty Baker, who happens to be the manager. Dusty was a great baseball player in his own day, great player. And he's uh, done a tremendous job as a manager, not just a manager, but it is worth pointing out in this case, an African-American manager who's had great success. And I like Dusty Baker. So here he is. They presented Biden with a 46 jersey. He had no idea why. <laughs> He's like, who's number 46? Hey, that, that's yeah. that's what a, a number I was going to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because you're the 46th president, dumbass. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. So they present him with a jersey. And uh, Jill took it, of course. So Biden and Dusty Baker at the White House yesterday. If you're a sports fan and you missed it, here's what it sounded like. Uh, we'll play both. We'll start with cut number one. The Houston Astros, legends. Ay, ay, ay. Space stop, stop it right there. Did he say he sounds like the dog in Jetsons? Did he say the Rastros? Remember that character in Jetsons? He was a dog. Right, George. The Houston Rastros. Play that again. Let me, let me make sure. Houston Astros. Yeah. Legends. Regens. Oh, that's what it was. He did say Houston Astros, but he called them Regens. Have you heard that one before? Noam Layden, all your years doing news uh, all over the world at this point. Have you ever heard anybody say the word Regens? Uh, no, I have not. No, it's first. <laughs> yeah. Keep playing it. Here is a Biden. Houston Astros. Legends. <laughs> Space City. Of what? The Legend of Space City. Okay. Now, you know, 100 years from now, you're wondering what the hell that was. The yeah, space I'm wondering city. what it is right now, the next day. It was led by, and this is not hyperbole, no. the legendary oh. Dusty Baker. You don't mean legendary? People counted you out saying you're past your prime. No. Hell, I know something about that. That's funny. <laughs> All right, I'll give him that. An all-star player, three-time, three-time manager of the year. The first coach to lead five teams to postseason in all of baseball history. Mm. And finally, <laughs> World Series champion as a player and a manager. How about that? Uh, 2022 was never about one individual. It was about a group of men coming together to accomplish something very special for this city that supported them. I love them all. You've got to love each, each and every one of them, and it's only... Way to come together in a special feeling that is tough to this describe. This is rough too, by the way. And hard to repeat, but we plan on repeating oh. exactly that feeling. Oh! They plan on repeating. Right now, the Houston Astros are 64 and 49. Good enough to trail the Texas Rangers by three games in the AL West. But if the season ended today, the Astros would make the playoffs. 
They, along with Tampa Bay, would be the two wild-card teams, although the Astros' lead over Toronto is just a half game. They're looking to repeat. Can anybody in these studios tell me the last time a Major League Baseball team repeated and won consecutive World Series? Jump in if you think you know it. Lewis? Yankees. You want to give me the years? 90, when did they, when did they uh, 98, 99, 2000. Oh, three in a row. Yeah, All right, I, go with that. Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts? Uh, it was the Yankees. What years? Uh, 96, 97, right. 98. Okay, very good. And uh, Noam Layton. I would say it was the uh, Oakland A's in uh, 71, 72, yeah. and 73. <laughs> this is why you do the news, just so you know. Yeah. Uh, Lewis is actually right. You're wrong, of course. Uh, they did not win the World Series, Justin. Didn't even play in the World Series in 97. But uh, Lewis is right. In uh, 98, they beat the San Diego Padres. In 99, they beat the Atlanta Braves. And in 2000, they beat the Mets. They did get back in 2001 for a chance at a four-peat, but lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks. That was the 9-11 World Series. And they got back again two years later, Joe Torrey's last time in 2003, and lost to the Marlins. All right, you're a big Yankee fan. In 98, Justin, when they beat the Padres, the first of that Joe Torrey three-peat, the last baseball team to repeat, who won the MVP for the Yankees in that World Series? Oh, in, uh, in 98. Against the Padres. A former San Diego Padre. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know. Who was it? Maybe he came from Oakland. Scott Brocious. There you, go. I, you know what? I was actually going to say Brocious, sure but were. then I just... 99 when they beat the Braves, be who won the, well, the World Series from, MVP. He was from Oakland, though. Oakland, yeah. Yes. Uh, Brocious won it in 98. 99 was Mariano Rivera. Uh-huh. And when they beat the Mets in 2000? Cheater. Cheater. Very good. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Already... The best 54 minutes of radio you're going to hear all day. And we're not even close to getting started here. we got an unbelievable guest list today, which includes Curtis, as always, is the man, Liz Pipko, Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, Monica Crowley, Paul DiGiacomo, and Anthony Cumia. Tuesday morning, sitting friends in the morning. We'll be right back.
accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Carpet with a huge guest list today, including in studio Liz Pipko and Paul DiGiacomo. We're also going to hear from Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, Monica Crowley, and Anthony Cumia. But of course, we start every weekday with a guy that gets great ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon, tremendous ratings overnights on the weekend, but arguably does his best work right here with me about 7.10 every weekday morning. And that is the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, my friend Curtis Sliwa. And I did play uh, last hour. Well, I didn't play it. The station makes me play it. Frank Morano, who I love. Oh, God. Frank's a great talent. He'll be on this show tomorrow. But every now and then he does these stories on, like, UFOs and exorcisms, which is, this is just me, okay? If you like it, great. I think it's dumb. But uh, it turns out I'm not alone because Curtis comes running in here. And uh, what are you you're yelling about, Frank Morano? Now what? Well, you were talking about how you were banging the iron in the gym with, uh, with the Scotto girls. Yes. And I was saying, wow, that's psychosexual. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and you used a term I haven't heard since uh, I was a kid. And everybody wanted to be Charles Atlas so they wouldn't have sand kicked in their, their face. You got to lift the dumbbells. Yes. That, do they still call them dumbbells? Uh, I still call them dumbbells. Well, guess what? Frank well, I call Morano. them weights, I guess, because, you know, if you, if you have the bench, you have the bar, you can put weights, plates oh, yeah, no, on no. the bench. But the dumbbells, and I put up some pretty heavy numbers, I still call them dumbbells. I'm telling you, in the 60s, Charles Atlas, you know, you'd have every geek on the beach, right, getting sand kicked in his face, <laughs> pimp slapped around. Got to be like Charles Atlas, lift those dumbbells. Let me tell you something. You know how bad that interview was by Frank Morano? No, leave him alone. Come the on. next day, <laughs> yeah. the director of The Exorcist, William Friedkin, died. 
It's true. Look, look at all the obituaries. That's not true. The very next day? Yes. French Connection. He also did the French Connection. Was that not a great movie? That was great. And The Exorcist was a great movie. Linda Blair, her head spinning around yes. on her head. Yes. I think that's what we need from Frank Morano. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, please, do not play UFOs in the morning. You swore you wouldn't. Now you're doing exorcisms. You, you have the top show in the nation, morning show in the nation. I did all the analytics. I did all the analytics. Oh, yesterday when the ratings came out for July? It's number one in the nation in the mornings. So why would you do that and chase your audience away? The woman's only radio, you know, uh, Opie and Dopey over there. Oh, that's right. You're having what? Do Opie Anthony, or Dopey? Anthony is a great oh, okay. talent. All right, all right. Opie I never really uh, enjoyed all understood, that much. Understood. He was like a traffic cop, kind of like you and Kobe. Oh. There's always one that's better than the other. We all know you were the better talent than Ron Kuby. Slowly, I turn step by step. Oh, no. You were going through a whole laundry list of partnerships that didn't work out. Well, first off, you know damn well Curtis Lee is not good with partners. I've had five wives, right? So you're, you're talking about it starts there. Well, I can tell you this. I've only been here now for uh, seven years. I got back to WABC in 2016. That's not a long time. And my seven years here, I've seen you work with Ron Kuby. Yes. I've seen you work with Ebony K. Williams. Oh, yeah. I've seen you work with Rita Cosby. Yes. I've seen you work with... I saved you guys. I took Jet Set Juliet. Juliet Huddy. <laughs> I'm sure I'm missing a couple of more. Oh, I'm going to give you the laundry list. But let's establish this first. Way back there was a time where I was being invited down to St. Petersburg to the annual Daily News Convention with, which wife was that? I'm trying to remember. Anyway. I was there. That's right. You were in the stretch limo. Ira Ellenthal. You, New York that's Daily right. News. Ira Ellenthal originally from Far Rockaway. He knew Carl Icahn. He knew all those guys. Uh, Drasna, who was a co-owner of the Daily News, who was from out there, used to be a cab driver. And you're in that stretch limo with me, and I forget which one of my wives. Bernie was there, too. Just so no, you know. no, he but was I, not He there. was not at that night. Exactly. Right, right. But you had this look on your face <laughs> of total disdain. <laughs> what the hell am I doing in this stretch? By the way, I go on to give this humongous speech, because I was the Daily you Newspaper Boy of the Year. I mean, I, they brought me to Richard Nixon. I almost caused the guy to lose his job. Because I said, is this all I get? A cheap pen and a tie clip? And by the way, you said you were going to end the war in Vietnam. <laughs> so they kicked my butt right out on Pennsylvania Avenue. The guy who came with me from the Daily News said, Kurt, I have a, I have a house. I have kids. They're going to fire me. I didn't care. But you had that look of disdain on your face. I did. And then you disappeared. Oh, they I were looking out. for you. Yeah. They said, we brought Sid Rosenberg here to St. Petersburg. Yeah. Have you seen Sid? Well, you guys really didn't know who I was at that point. And I did go out. I came back about 3 o'clock. Oh, no, I knew who you were, Sid. I was out late. Yeah, I, yeah. I oh, knew yeah. who you were. You know who I was there? I was there because I wrote a, uh, back then, for one year, I did a football column. It was a gambling column for football every Friday in the Daily News. Why am I not surprised? Yes, and guess who sponsored it? Mitchell Edis and Mohegan Sun. Yes, Mohegan. Yes, so they were brand new, just up in the hotel. Me and Mitchell have been close for years. So now, was one the... of them, now one of them looked like an Indian. No. <laughs> they all looked African-American, right? They yeah. all claimed to be yeah. Indians yeah. out there. Was Sean Hannity on that? I don't know. It wasn't Sean. No, no, no. It was you me, don't even you, remember. But, uh, there was one other famous person. 
Besides me, you and Bernie in Tampa that oh, weekend. Oh, you are real. Man, you were lost that weekend. Oh, I was high. You were in that car. It's yeah. like, what the hell am I with, <laughs> with this JV broadcaster from? And I'm like, I, I'm talking to you, and you're like so spaced out. Yeah. You're like a space cadet. Like, Funny. get me out of here. Funny. You disappeared for the whole weekend. They're asking me, could you find the search party? Send your guardian angels from Tampa out to find Rosenberg. You want the truth? I was at a strip club with Bubba the Love Sponge. I can't believe he was that. a big star in Tampa oh, oh, back and, then. And was, was Hulk Hogan there ready to put his 30 uh, inch <laughs> pythons around Bubba the Love Sponge's neck? Was, was he a, having sex with uh, each other's wives? I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. You it was were, a long you time ago. You were far I down. was gone. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, man, this guy ain't even paying. I mean, he ain't even having a conversation. <laughs> He's like, I'm from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. I'm throwing all these lines at you, and you're like, get me the hell out of here. I got to listen to this guy. Oh, my God. That's funny. See how I remember that? Uh, you See remember, remember everything, yes. But, oh, I remember in 35 years, every one of my partners in radio. Well, who was the Give me a whole list of these people. First off, never have your wife or your husband on with you as a partner. You know, right now, Kelly Ripa is doing that with Mark Consuelos. That is the worst show I've ever is seen. It really is? Oh, my God. Yeah? Oh, I like he, both of them. The I know, but cute, please, enough already. All enough. Right? You know, okay. I, want, I want to project out vomit. <laughs> so, anyway, the well, point is. Well, you did shows with your uh, significant oh, others. First, Lisa, right? First one in the mornings. Lisa. And we're brought in there to save the mornings because you got no ratings, none. And then I realized. What station was that? That's the WABC, the old WABC. They bring us into the general manager. He goes, don't disgrace us. I listen to Imus every morning. I never listen to the morning show here. This is the general manager. Then the program Who director. Who was that? Was that Steve Borneman? No, no, no before no, him. Well, way I'm before gonna, him. I'm going to get to this oh, guy, boy. Steve Borneman. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I'm an Imus guy. I go into John Minnelli. He's the program director. Yes. Very yeah. anal. He goes, yeah. I wake up 728 every morning, and I listen to Howard. Don't do anything to disgrace us. I look at Lisa. I said, now I know why they never had a good morning show here. <laughs> The very people who are running the station don't listen. That's why I walk around here and I bust people's stones. I said, do you listen to the station? Sales, programming, or, hey, come on, a lot of them don't even listen to the station. Even some of our hosts and hostesses, they don't even listen no. to the very station no. that gives them a paycheck every two weeks. They love that when the money goes <laughs> into the account. But if you would have given them a simple test, no, I can give a WABC listener pass. a test. They no. know, right. but our own hosts and hostesses, I don't know, I'm watching TV. Right. I'm watching Fox so, News Channel. I'm watching no. News Well, they're not watching Fox News Channel. The whole damn cast works across the street. Oh, God. Like That's, seven of them. But anyway. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So we start with Lisa, and you know what happens there. Yeah. Uh, I end up getting divorced, and I'm reading it on the front page of the New York Post. Front page. No internet at that time. We come in in the morning to do show prep. I said, what the hell is this? And she she goes, didn't tell you? What? No, no, she said, well, they told me that it would be sealed. I'm sure Danielle, who's done family and matrimonial, my lawyer said it would be sealed. It would never see the light of day. I said, it's on the front page. <laughs> then, worse than that, Sid, is that you had to have a reason back then. There was no no-fault divorce. So I'm reading through, and it says, withheld privileges, husbandly privileges, which means you weren't having sex. You weren't having sex, right. Right. I said, Lisa, 
I got shot five times with hollow point bullets. One of them went right through my three-piece set. I'm wearing a colostomy bag, and you use that as an excuse. And she goes, well, you, you never beat me up. I hold all the money. Uh, you weren't abusive to me mentally or physically. So my lawyer said, well, you got to choose something. Oh so I said, God. we're holding favors oh. all in the papers. Then that morning, all the Gabon's calling up. Oh, you shoot blanks, huh? Oh. I'm in the streets. I'm getting into fights oh. with the Supreme Cuisines. That's one of the dangers of doing morning radio oh, with your spouse. Yeah. She went one way, I went the other way, and that was the start of misery. Oh, boy. Then they put me with Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a comic. <laughs> yeah. when, he fr- when they first start with you as a partner, if you're the experienced one, they understand you're the bus driver. Somebody's got to drive the freaking bus. Sometimes I've had partners that clearly I was the better bus driver. But they still wanted right. to do it. Yeah, you need someone to bring you in and bring you out. Right. And, and keep within your parameters. 100%. That was always me. Yeah. Ron Kuby, after a little time, starts going. He goes in with management. We're sitting there. And he goes, look, I've analyzed the hour from yesterday. He had more talk time than me. Oh, my God. I've heard Stop this. Watch. You know, Stop you know I've heard this. Yes. You know I've been in that same I, meeting. You had. Who cares? What? What? You yeah. actually put a yeah. stopwatch to it? Oh, uh, yeah, people do that. He's going, you know, lawyers, you know, they got all the <laughs> yeah. paperwork. He's like Cacapina, you know, I dollar making his case. So they looked at him and they said, look, you get no sales. Nobody wants to advertise with you. You're, uh-huh. you're a commie. You're against capitalism. It's Sliwu who generates all the money. I was right. the king of the live read. Sure. And he still goes, oh, no. Without me, there is no show. So did they create a segment or something just to make him happy? Oh, yeah. It's something about oh, uh, yeah. Ron Kuby Right. Up. You know, <laughs> shout-outs to all of his uh, criminals uh, that he was yeah. trying to get out. Yeah. And then we're in the middle of the Gotti trial, right? The ratings have never been better because we're the only show, obviously, talking about Gotti trying to kill me, kidnap me, destroy me. And they sent Frank Morano, who all of a sudden... He was your producer? Yes. Frank Morano? Yes. They sent Frank Morano, and all of a sudden, the guy is just smart. They realize, look at this guy. He's, a, he's like a white Urkel, you know. He's a fuddy-duddy. <laughs> so they have the oldest sister of the Gotti clan, Angel, come up to him. Oh, Frank, you're so extraordinary. You supreme cuisine. And she's holding on to him all through the trial, right? And naturally, he he started off being in the middle. Now he's sitting with the Gottis. Oh, my God. Is that, is that where it all started? Because yeah. when he married Rachel, all the Gottis were there. He's oh, friends yeah, with no, all no. of them. It all started with the oldest daughter, Angel. She's older than Victoria Jr. She's older than John Gotti Jr. who tried to kill me on the orders of John <laughs> Gotti Sr. This idiot didn't realize that she was the honeypot. The moment the trial was over, Angel was like, lose my number. <laughs> lose my what? A sucker. So anyway, uh, you, you know, part of it. Uh, so then, then they get rid of Kuby and they bring in Jeffrey Lickman, who was the attorney representing John Gotti Jr. I'm telling you, I said, what did I do in my life? This guy, Jeffrey Lickman, if I remember correctly, who's a bit of a douche, I have to be honest. Yes, Bernie yes. and Jill liked him. We had him on the show. Oh, no, no. But I think he also represented... The guy in Brooklyn, the drug dealer, the 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 the, uh, the big drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. We had him in Brooklyn. What was his oh, name? Oh, oh, of course. Hey, little shorty, uh, Pablo Guzman, you know, or whatever. No, Pablo what's Guzman. his name? That was uh, the uh, talk the radio big one, guy. The big, the big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. No, he was actually short. Yeah, he short, was that right. Exactly yeah, right. The biggest yes. narco terrorist in the world. Yeah. And he's saying he's innocent. He's yes, innocent. Yes, I'm yes. getting the narco terrorist dollars. I'm <laughs> loving it. So anyway, that didn't work out. 
So then they put me in in the afternoons with your favorite, Chris Cuomo. Oh, my God. Who at that time had no opinion whatsoever. I can't have an opinion, right? So this is before Chris Cuomo did Channel 7, like WABC. Yeah. That's no, no, no. That was in an interim. He was oh. using it for contract negotiations. Gotcha. Gotcha. He was going from uh, Nightline at Night to Good Morning America. And he wanted to show, well, I don't have to do this anymore. I'm working with Curtis. Oh, that was, I hated that. The son of Mario <laughs> Faccia Bruta Cuomo, Chris oh, Cuomo, who was free. Right, you know how what it was to do a radio program on oh. a guy who has no brains, a oh, muscle yeah, between yeah. both ears, and the worst part when you mentioned Steve Borneman, slowly I turned step by step. <laughs> they put this guy in charge of WABC, a rock and roll guy, right? FM, freaking moron, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and that is, applies to Frank Morano too. And he goes to me, he sits me down, and he goes, "You know, you sound uneducated. You sound stupid." This is when I was with. Uh, Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. So he puts three's a company in there. He puts Mark Simone in with Kuby and me, and Mark Simone goes, what the hell am I doing? I here? never knew this. So Mark Simone worked with you two guys before he went to WOR became a midday sensation. Every second of no it. No kidding. And you want to know why Mark Simone hates, despises, loathes Frank Morano? Why? Because Frank Morano was the producer, and Mark Simone said something when the three of us were in the room, and Frank corrected him over the year. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, oh my no. God. You know, typical Frank. Oh, you know, he's boy. always got to put his two cents playing in. <laughs> yeah. This guy, since that day, if he had a gun, he would shoot Frank Morano six times reloaded, shoot him again six times. Now, I know times. they don't like each other. In fact, at one point, Frank Morano said something about Simone, and even John and Margot got upset. Let me tell you something. That was the dumbest thing ever. Steve Borneman, if you're out there at some two-watt FM radio station, <laughs> I'm uneducated. I've been doing this for 35 freaking years. I'm a survivor. Imagine it. Look at me and say, you're uneducated. Yeah. You sound stupid. I, 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 I only met that guy once. I was in Florida, and Mark Lepselter was my agent. I wanted to get back to New York, and uh, we said, let's give WABC a try. Imus was here. And we knew what Imus always wanted me back. No matter what he said, I love Warner all nonsense. So I did meet in Borneman's office with Steve for about 35, 40 minutes. And I thought we had a shot to get back. And he never called Oh, you're back. kidding. This guy, <laughs> all he wanted to do was be in a rock and roll band. The guy knew nothing. <laughs> and then, obviously, David Patterson was my co-host in the afternoons at AM 970. What? Yeah, four years of my life, I'll never get back. Nobody Not listens only to that, that but station. He was, then he started banging your wife. Well, let me tell you something. I introduced him to my wife, Mary, at the time. <laughs> oh I, I did like uh, any, uh, any uh, young, right? Take my wife, please. Right, take my wife, please. And he did, <laughs> proving that love is blind. Love is <laughs> absolutely love blind. Is blind. But now, let me get to the main thing. You know, here it is. You, you bring in Gnome Lady, oh right? This, this little booker boy, this Jewish boy from the Heights in Jersey City. And you're talking to him about the SUVs that Eric Adams, who promised he would ride subways every day and be Pee Wee Herman in the afternoon, riding his bicycle. That was like the dumbest photo I ever saw, him on the bicycle with the helmet. Now, you, you say tricked out? No, it's not tricked out. It's pimped well, out. Well, I didn't say that. Dominic Carter said Yeah, that. no, no. It, 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 
You see, no, no one's a hood rat here. I'm a hood rat. You say tricked out, I say pimped out. You say tricked out, I say pimped out. Because it's from Pimp My Ride. Remember MTV? Yes. Everything. So yes. he wants that SUV to stand out. He's and, and in the hood, man, drug dealers and pimps have those kind of hooked up SUVs. He wants the mesh grill, the 20-inch chrome rims, the smoke glass, the double-barreled ex, uh, exhaust. And he wants to accessorize it at our expense. Inside is suede interior and a monster step. Stereo system because he's saying, yo, I'm the man. I'm Eric Adams. He wants to be pimped out. When you say tricked out, say pimped out. That's his thing. He's like, Shaft, I'm a bad mother. Watch your mouth. By the way, you got to look at the piece in the New Yorker. It's 40 pages on this guy. And they come to the conclusion you can't believe anything he says about his life. They have it down. Every fact, everything he's ever said. They said, untrue, untrue, untrue. He is the Biden of Brooklyn. I'm telling you, when you compare everything that Biden has said about his life that is completely untrue, match it up. I know it's a, a lot, 40 pages for you, Sid. You're with the dumbbells in the morning talking to the Scotto girls. By the way, proving you don't have pro- projectile dysfunction <laughs> of your three-piece set. You read those 40 pages, and Sid, you will, you will understand why truly Eric Adams is the Biden of Brooklyn. He makes up everything. His complexion is his protection. Read the New Yorker magazine piece. I know many of you. Isn't that for wasps who drink scotch all day and get drunk at night? Read the New Yorker, and you will see the real Eric Adams that I've been telling you about. You can't believe anything about what this guy says about his life, just like his hero, Joe Biden, that's why he is the Biden from Brooklyn. Sit in friends in the morning, 77 WABC. John Travolta and the late, great Olivia Newton-John, who died one year ago today. We continue our tribute to Olivia. We also played a, a U2 song because today is the Edge's birthday. Somebody else died today, Lewis. I don't believe we've gotten to them yet, have we? Who was that? Glenn Campbell. Oh, Glenn Campbell. That's right. We'll get to Glenn. We uh, just had a great conversation with Curtis. I love Curtis so much, I can't begin to tell you. Whether he's talking about Eric Adams, the migrants... People lying all across this city. And when he brings up the old radio history stuff, you know I love that stuff, Lou. I love it. 
And he's got some uh, some history. I mean, he's worked with just about everybody, this guy. I yeah. mean, everybody. And we know the guys he's talking about. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I know every one of them. Well, yeah. you know him even better than I do. So <laughs> yes. I love when Curtis does that. <laughs> We're still going to talk to uh, my dear, dear, dear friend, Bo Deedle. Always great on a Tuesday morning coming up next. And Bill O'Reilly, Monica Crowley, Paul DiGiacomo, Anthony Cumia, part of that legendary Opie and Anthony combination, the better half. But joining me now in studio, she's back. Coming back more now, like every two weeks instead of a month, because she loves New York, is our dear friend Elizabeth Pipko. I noticed you are back more than, than you were. For a while, there was like once a month. Yeah. What you've, happened? You've inspired me. I have inspired yeah. you. Plus, you're a movie star officially this week. So yes, so I Friday. feel like I should be here. But you're not going to be here Friday. I'll be here in spirit. Oh, in spirit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what matters. Why don't you come in seriously like Thursday or Friday? Come see the movie on Friday night with like 30 of us. I could do that. Is oh. it not playing in Florida? It's. Um, I don't know where it's playing in Florida yet, but I'm not going to be in Florida. I'm going to be in Brooklyn. Right, but I should inspire and encourage people in Florida yes, to come you out should. and watch. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, you should. <laughs> and uh, when this strike ends, who knows? You could be in movies next. You're certainly exactly. pretty enough and Thank smart you. enough. I'll take it. Well, you're sick of Florida anyway. I'm severely sick of Florida. You are sick of it. Yeah. But your husband loves it, so. He really doesn't. Oh, he doesn't love it either. No, he doesn't love anything. <laughs> he loves you. Yes, yeah, just, okay. just that. And he loves uh, Donald Trump. He loves Trump yeah, stuff. I He's with so. him every day. Every day. Is Darren not with Donald Trump every day? Not every day, but... Well, well maybe in days when he's arrested, he's not with him, but... Arranged. Arranged. Arranged, right. <laughs> well, according to Chris Christie, our friend, the president, really more your friend than mine, to be completely honest, he's out on bail right now in three states. Is he? That sounds... I know, it sounds... A little worse than it is. I, I know, I know, but the way he said it... In fact, let's play this for um, Liz and the audience. This is a fat, jealous, stupid Chris Christie... <laughs> He's on CNN with Anderson Cooper last night, and he talks about how Trump is basically out on bail in three states. This is a Lewis Chris Christie cut number 12. To me, though, there are always limits on free speech. I mean, this is the classic, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. I mean, there are limits on free speech. And by the way, when you're a criminal defendant out on bail, and let's focus on that, he is now out on bail in three different jurisdictions, <laughs> New York, Florida, and Washington, D.C. We have a frontrunner in this race who's out on oh, bail in three right. jurisdictions. It's pretty incredible. And, and when you, when, what happens, though, when you're let out is that there are restrictions placed on you for you to stay out. And one of the restrictions that was placed on him was no contact or intimidation of potential witnesses. He's saying, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. His lawyers are now saying that post was not, that was generalized political speech, not directed at anyone. Well, of course that's what they're going to say. Because what they really feel like saying is, oh my God, I can't believe he did that again. That, you think that's what they said yes, privately? Yes, the privately. Their lawyers are like, want to jump out the window mm. having to defend some of this stuff. That's Chris Christie. So, Noam, he said... Our news director, Noam Layden, who I go to also more often now, he said he's basically out on bail in three states. Is that right? I guess technically it is. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, that's a lot, no? Three states? It, well, there's three indictments and, and a fourth one coming in Georgia. Right. So maybe it'll, it'll be, be four, four states. states. Yeah. We're very good at math on this show. Yeah. So next week when I go to you, you're going to say he's out on bail in four states. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one way to reference it, sure. Yeah, but when you reference it like that, you know right off the bat you've got an axe to grind, right? I mean, that's... It sounds like you're guilty. Right, you wouldn't say something like that, would you? No, that's a pretty loaded way of discussing it. I think you would say it, though. 
No. <laughs> I mean, I had the chance for three times already, <laughs> and I haven't. And know. you haven't done it. No. That's true to your credit. That is kind of uh, kind of odd to hear that, right, Liz? I mean, it was a bit much, no? It's definitely a lot. So does, does Donald Trump hate Chris Christie as much as Christie hates Trump? If you had to guess. See, here's the thing. The Red Sox and Yankees, okay? Yeah. The Red Sox, they've had success since 2004. They won three World Series. So in the last 20 years, they've won three times as many World Series as the Yanks. Yankees have won a World Series. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, they won one in 2009. So... Lately, the Red Sox have the better than the Yankees. But before 2004, Red Sox fans hated the Yankees. Yeah. And Yankee fans were kind of like, oh, yeah. Right. Is it kind of like that with Christian Trump? You I think? think so. I'm sure he hates him because anyone that he has hired that then end up turning against him is probably on his on his list. Yeah. But I you almost think, said the duty word. I almost did. I forget if I can curse on here or not. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> He's on his shit list. You're going to see Chad later anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say... I would say no one really, like, Trump doesn't hate anyone as much as people hate him. Like, That's it's that true. weird derangement syndrome. They just can't stop. Right. Know? But he is aware. He knows oh, everybody yeah. who says something bad, He's right? scarily aware. He yeah. is, yes, right. But he does tend to forgive every now and then. For example, I voted against him. I told him that. Yeah. He was on with me and Bernard, and I said, listen, I voted against you. I thought your campaign was sophomoric. <laughs> said that to him. I go, yeah. you wore a stupid hat, you're going to build a, a wall, and you nicknamed everybody else. And I'm like, I hate Hillary, but I can't vote for you. Yeah, and look what happened. Look what happened. <laughs> because I'm adult enough to say I made a mistake. Exactly, and I think he loves that. He like, does Truly, he likes that about people. I think he liked that more, the fact that I came around, for sure. than when he came down the escalator. Yeah, he doesn't need people, you know, kissing his butt. He's had that his whole life. Right. But when people genuinely appreciate what he's done, I think he, like, I truly think it makes him happy. Yeah. Are you scared of him? No. Yes, you are. I, I like describe him as like the cool uncle you the wish cool you uncle. had. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he'll like that, but truly that's like the feeling he gives off. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Is he, uh, now he's going back to Florida soon, right? He's, I think he's so. still in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably a week or two. Probably a week or two on that said. Okay. I've been invited on Wednesday nights to Mar a Lago. Mm-hmm. I was told the seafood is great on a Wednesday night. Is that true? I don't eat the seafood, but it's probably great. He oh, also... that's right. It's Trey. You're, you're a Jew. You're, yes. Yeah. So are you. You know who invited me? But I'm not a real Jew. You know who invited <laughs> me on a Wednesday night? Who? Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh, she hates right. me now. She, she, hates she hates me you. because I am very close with Laura Trump. <laughs> and uh, people don't know this, but there is a rivalry between Guilfoyle and Trump, uh, which no one really knows about. I'm not even sure it exists. I'm just making this up. But I think it does. Because I can't explain <laughs> why she was like my best friend for all these years, and now yeah. she hates me. I don't know. I feel like the New York scene is something that no one really understands. And you've both been in it for like many, many years. Yes. So who the hell knows? <laughs> it is uh, difficult to, to, to figure it out. Very. Right? Yeah, but if you go so. to Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump DJs random nights. Yes, so I know he does. You want to be there for that. Oh, that's the big night, that's the DJ the night? night. Yeah. What kind of music does he play? He likes everything. I've seen him yeah. like rock out to Rihanna. No way. Li- yeah. Now, have you danced with Trump? No. On one of these I nights? Not. I have not. Would Darren be mad if you did? No. no he wouldn't he care? Would. No. Right. Does Trump dance or he just plays the music? He rocks out. He does. Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> we got to do this one. We got to do the show live one day from Mar-a-Lago when Trump is DJing. And you, uh, Lou, you could spin the records with Trump. How would that go? That would be great, no? It would be great. Does yes. he like the psychedelic furs? Yeah. I, <laughs> I have no idea how to answer that. Counting Crows? Does he like it? We'll now find out. One of the great new wave bands <laughs> I talked to Liz. Now Liz knows. That's this funny. is a great one. Bo Geetle is uh, coming up next. Boy. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC.
Desire, you too. Happy birthday to The Edge. One of their great songs right here at Desire 746 in her Tuesday morning. We put this time aside for a man that spent the better part of uh, two decades distinguished himself as one of the greatest cops in the history of New York City. He's gone on to become a great actor. I mean great. Movies like Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, TV shows, Godfather of Harlem, Gravesend, he's in that. He's also an inside man. He's great in Inside Man, which opens in theaters coming up on Friday night. Most importantly, a dear, dear friend of me, Danielle, and my family for the better part of 25 years. He's the great Bo Deedle. Good Tuesday morning, Bo. How are you, buddy? Hey, Sid, be careful when you go in the water over there in the Rockaway. Yeah. A little shark attention over there. <laughs> no, I saw that. Yeah. I was thinking about you swimming over there getting your balls bit off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who actually lives closer to that part of Rockaway? Because I'm a little further up, three blocks well, they do, away. They do swim. Lou Rapino. <laughs> yeah, Lou Rapino lives three blocks away from there. Three blocks. Uh, well, all I can say is everybody's got to be careful of the old fins in the water. Hey, we go right back to Frank Moron Morano. Now he's into exorcism, uh, ghost hunter. He's a ghost hunter. <laughs> Next one he's going to do, I'll guarantee you, he will come out. He's going to go come out after finding Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster next. <laughs> this guy's got nothing to talk about. I mean, why don't, why don't we talk about what's going on every day? Now our beautiful soccer fields on Randall's Island. When I was in street crime unit, we used to have our headquarters over there. Beautiful Randall's Island. The kids would play soccer. It was a release for these city, these city kids, mostly from upper Manhattan, to go play soccer with their teams. Now they're going to put frigging tents, uh, tents there with potty, uh, porta potties. And this is what's happening to our beautiful parkland. When is this nonsense going to stop? Then our school system that is not the best right now is going to be overloaded with these illegal people that are going in there. We don't want to talk against children, but the majority of them don't even speak English. How are these teachers going to teach when you have children in there? Now, what about the American kids that are in there who speak English who are not going to be learning properly because the teachers are going to be trying to communicate with these kids that don't speak English? It's very, very, very simple. We're going to destroy our educational system now because the kids that are in our schools are not going to have the time to learn. I mean, this is ridiculous. I, 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 I go crazy. And then all of a sudden, we had a, uh, two council members came out with the idea about abolishing Shake and Bake Gianni Williams there. Right? <laughs> yes, uh, Bob, Bob Holden, the great Democrat out of Queens. Yeah. You're talking about the public advocate, Jumani Williams. That guy, too. Yeah, that, that idiot, Shake and Bake. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's got like a $5 million budget. They have... Security, Jamani, you're the one that wants to defund the police. Why do you need security? Why do you need a chauffeur, you shake and bake? Well, you know what? Not only does he need security and a chauffeur, do you know where he lives, Bo? He actually lives on Fort Hamilton. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a man of the people. Get out of here. Hey, you know what? I did my own little, you know, I'm a detective, so I did a little article. uh, I did a little searching because here's our biggest problem in New York City. And I'll say it in one word. I guess a couple words the city council. And it was an article by the Times back in 1993 when the school boards were there and uh, they, they went after the uh, city council. Uh, now they're going after the city council. But back then they pointed out that New York City was being destroyed, destroyed by the failure of people voting. Now, did you know that 95% of the voters that could have voted 
did not vote for the yep. city, city council primaries. Yes. In reality, the New York Times didn't even endorse any candidates for the city council, nor did any of the other newspapers. And, and I keep uh, saying, endorsed. you know, we spend all this time talking about the election yeah. in 2024, the presidential election. We have yeah. a much more important election this November 2023. It matters much more to our lives here in New York City than 2024. That's the city council. That's why live on Friday I will have Ari Kagan in this studio because, Bo, we need Ari Kagan to beat Justin Brannon. We need Republicans to beat Democrats. You cannot, you cannot emphasize enough how important this November is, not next November, the city council vote. This is the most important thing in our city right now because the mayor can't do anything without with this moron city council. Now they're mostly these idealistic, uh, ideology-driven progressive socialists. All they want to do is change society. That's what they're in. They don't care about uh, financial things. They, all they want to do is this po- political progressive machine. And then all of a sudden they have all the PACs, all the unions, all the political clubs behind them. You know, in 1993, the time stepped up to save the uh, city schools to break up the uh, the school boards there. And now all of a sudden they don't want to get involved now because – 95%, again, we keep going back, 95% of the people didn't vote. Mayor Big Bird was one of the ones that started this whole working families party, pay for play, and now you have the other scumbags, AOC, Jamali Williams, Brad Landa. This is the ones that control this city. And in reality, we almost had uh, Maya Wiley there as our mayor. All it's about now is changing our society. They don't care about financial problems all they care about is their or safety so, or safety and, and and they don't really care about the public safety and, and people have to realize with this city council of morons and if they all of a sudden if 95 percent of the people are not voting all they do is they get the unions to pull out a couple of voters and they control the city council the city council controls this mayor so if we don't change the city council we're going into the toilet bowl and all they want is communism socialism and this is what's doing is eating the cancer in new york city is coming from the city council and people have to realize you don't vote all these morons come in there and they control what we're doing. It's crazy. No, it's, it's the same really- thing. By the way, it's the same thing with the mayor. I mean, you know, you ran, you, Maliotakis, ran against uh, yeah. Big Bird. No one votes in that yeah. race either. Nobody. Nobody. No. No, no, and 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 in reality, the idealistic value of socialism—they don't care about balanced budgets. All they care about is give away, give for free, and all the social agenda, including the bail reform crap and all that. And this is what we're dealing with right now. And New York City is not in a good place right now. And uh, I really feel concerned about the fact that we have a city council that anything that this mayor tries to do, they shut down. I asked this mayor about going before the city council and show them the headlock is different than the chokehold. I've taken down hundreds of people with a headlock, taken them to the ground, nobody died. We should establish the rules of the game for the cops. And every time a cop tries to lock somebody up, they get them in a headlock right away, chokehold, chokehold. <laughs> and now the cop 
Now the cop gets in trouble. If you get on top of diaphragm law, who makes these stupid laws up? Don't. These morons in the city council, they don't know how to take anybody down. <laughs> All they are is negative to the police. And it's horrible, horrible. And look, even looking at Chicago, you got this Mayor Brandon Johnson, this moron. They had a big riot <laughs> over there, and he goes like this. He goes, we do not call that a uh, uh, mob. We call that a large gathering. You're an <laughs> idiot. That's what you are. This, right. this Chicago mayor is is part and parcel of the destruction of this country. So I guess and he he would have called what we all witnessed, which was grotesque, what we all witnessed on Friday afternoon in Union Square. Mayor Johnson in Chicago would have called yeah. that a large gathering. Yes, Bo? A large <laughs> gathering. Not, not a riot, a large gathering. That's exactly it. <laughs> Okay, so now I'm going to, on your show, I'm going to open up about uh, uh, Murdoch there, uh, uh, Lachlan Murdoch. Remember I keep saying Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. (laughs) Yes. All right. Now I'm on your show. I'm not doing it on any other show. I'm going to explain what's going on. Okay, Rupert Murdoch is the godfather, and I like Rupert Murdoch a lot. I don't care how many women he married, he's still the man. And all of a sudden, my friend Lachlan, my buddy there, Lachlan, he was involved with James Packer, a billionaire from, from Australia, and they were involved with, a, uh, with this uh, Scientology. And Tom Cruise uh, was trying to push Lachlan Murdoch into becoming one of these idiots of Scientology. Even his wives there, Nicole Kidman, left him, and then the other pretty gal there, Kate, hey, Kate, whatever. Katie her, Holmes. Was, Katie Holmes. Yeah, they yeah. all left him. And now. And, and by the way, the, by the way, this week, uh, much, it's funny you mentioned Scientology yeah. because Leah Romini, who was in the great show King of Queens, she's out there this week blasting that church, saying they've got involved in all kinds of unsavory things. Yeah, and then Rupert Murdoch was afraid that my friend Lachlan was being brainwashed by Tom Cruise and trying to go into this cult of morons that believe in flying saucers. You know what? Uh, our friend Morano should have him on the show, you Tom stop. Cruise, and he'll tell you about <laughs> flying saucers and people walking around with somebody else's brains in their head. I mean, this is the time that we have on this station. We waste the midnight listening to Frank Morano, and I love Curtis Lewa, and Curtis is right. He was like a cheese-eating rat with me. He was a cheese-eating rat with Curtis, and that's what it is. I mean, we have to have some clarity of having some kind of uh, uh, reform in, in honesty and loyalty. Like, you're a loyal guy. I'm a loyal guy. But there's Frank Morano. He'll go wherever the cheese is. He'll eat it. And all I know is my man, Rupert Murdoch, he is the godfather, and I think there's some little wavering going on. You know, I filed that uh, lawsuit, a letter to, uh, to the New York Post, liable slander with this whole nonsense that they put in there. But something's telling me there's a little vibration. I'm trying to get a sit down with me and Lachlan, and I'm trying to clear the air about all the innuendo, all the lies. I said, look, it, you can have five security guys there, five lawyers. Let's sit down because I do like the New York Post. I'm banned from the Post. I'm banned from Fox. For what reason, we don't know. But I will follow through with my lawsuit. But they have that other big lawsuit, $2.5 billion with the other voting company there. So they got a lot of things on their plate. As far as I'm concerned, I like peace, Sid. I don't like to have enemies. I like peace. And I'm willing to sit down with this kid. And I hear that he's not that bad of a guy except for his establishment of a funkitation of the brain a little bit. He was going to become a Scientologist, you know. Now, Rubak straightened him out. So that's about that.
Oh, good. Well, one I hope that thing. all works out. I actually hope that all works out. I don't like it one when... One more thing. Yes. One more thing. We got this kid, this FBI agent. They got him in perjury. When he went to uh, uh, Jim Jordan, brought him out, and he perjured himself. When he said he was not a party to any social media companies, they got him lying before the United States Congress. They should indict this little punk, and they should put him in jail. You lying Asian punk. And there you have it, Bo Deedle, ladies and gentlemen, another spectacular appearance. Uh, he was great, you lying Asian punk, Bo Deedle. <laughs> Funkitation of, of the brain. What are you, baking a cake, dickhead? Nobody better than Bo Deedle. That's why people love him. Every Tuesday morning at 7.40, every Thursday morning at 9.05. To me, I always say this, and I love Curtis Lee, well, Bo Deedle is the ultimate New Yorker and... The ultimate friend. I love you both. Thank you. Big 8 o'clock hour to come, which includes Bill O'Reilly, Liz Pipko, and Monica Crowley. Keep it right here. Hour 3 coming up next. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, the program Common Sense, a radio station WABC. Sid and O'Reilly are doing a live show at the Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island, called The New York State of Mind, on Friday, October 27th at 8 p.m. So this is going to be a blast. And let me just give you an outline. I uh, put together this show especially for New Yorkers and people in Connecticut and Pennsylvania and New Jersey, what they call the metropolitan area. Because all of us have commonality in the way we were brought up. Some had much better upbringings than others. But the environment of New York City is so dramatic, the options so plentiful, that all of us have crossed currents So, for example, Sid was brought up in Brooklyn, about a half mile away from where my father was brought up, on West Street, all right? And so his Jewish family has crossed currents to my Irish family, and his childhood paralleled mine, even though I am older than he is. So we're going to get into all of that, but then we're going to get into what happened. So at one time, a New York upbringing, a New York state of mind, was this... And now it isn't. Now it's something far different than it was. The the cliche is back in the day. So I'm bringing a lot of stuff in here. And I think that you're going to have, if you come to the show, a lot in common with me and Sid. I've been walking these streets so long, singing the same old song. Tribute this morning. We started the show way back when, two hours and ten minutes ago, with a song by Olivia Newton John, who died 
one year ago today. Then we played a bunch of U2 music because the Edge lead guitarist for Bono was celebrating a birthday today. And this, our third tribute today, the great Glenn Campbell, rhinestone cowboy, like Olivia Newton-John, he died on this day. Now, not last year. How many years ago did Campbell die? Because I remember being on Imus that day. question. Hold on. I'm going to go with four or five years ago. Remember he died he, in 2017. So there you go, six years ago, right? Because his he, wife and daughter were in studio. 81. So. Uh, rest in peace, the great Glenn Campbell. That was Bill O'Reilly. We've got a huge night coming up together. Bill's on 840 every Thursday, but given the opportunity to get Bill on more than once, I'm certainly going to n- jump at that chance. So here he is, the best in the business, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, how are we looking for October the 27th, buddy? Uh, tickets are selling very quickly, so that's why I wanted to come on today to say to the folks, if you want to see us, um, you know, you got to move it. Um, Ticketmaster, the Paramount Theater in Huntington, BillOReilly.com will set you up. Not a bad seat in the house. Going to be a lot of famous people there, too, that Sid and I will make fun of. But I'm rethinking <laughs> my promo that you ran that um, the audience may find that they have a lot in common with me and Sid. Maybe I should not have said that. They're going to be frightened now. (laughs) I can just hear the wives. I don't want you having anything in common with O'Reilly and Sid. Can't you just hear the wives doing that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Fine. That's all part of it. It's going to be fun. The wives are going to it love is. it, It'll too. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be great. I hope everybody uh, will come in. Uh, WABC is sponsoring the event. And, uh, again, October 27th, Halloween weekend, Friday night. You can dress up. Sid and I will be the same, but we're frightening anyway. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, and as Bill said, go to ParamountNY.com, BillOReilly.com, or Ticketmaster. All right, we got uh, that big night coming up. I do want to read this to you, get your thoughts. The shocking and totally unexpected loss by the U.S. women's soccer team to Sweden is fully emblematic of what is happening to the our once great nation under crooked Joe Biden. Many of our players were openly hostile to America. No other country behaved in such a manner or even close. Woke equals failure. Nice shot, Megan. The USA is going to hell. MAGA, you're a big sports fan. So am I. I think I know where you're going to go. It's not going to be the same as me. I actually agree with Trump. That was on his social media, Truth Social. I ended up hating these women. What about you, Bill O'Reilly? Well, they did it under Trump. So, you know, look, I want to be fair. I don't think Biden has anything to do with it other than the fact that he enables the woke movement. He's never, ever said anything about it. Um, But he's certainly uh, a prisoner of the progressive left, which drives all this woke nonsense. Now, as for the team itself, you're right. They were outwardly disrespectful to the United States, while every other team in the tournament was not to their home countries. So I don't know what the problem is with the ladies kicking the soccer balls. I don't know what they're objecting to. Is it their white privilege? Because they're all white. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Now, this Megan Rapinoe, we know she's a radical leftist who despises her country. Okay, 
But what about the rest of them? Yeah, but, 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 what, but hold on. Why does she despise the country? She got what she wanted. And by the way, I'm on her side with this. She wanted equal pay for the women. And I always said, hey, look, the women are actually better than the men. I agree with her. They deserve equal pay. She got it. Why is she still angry? Look, I think, and I've always thought this way, that if you don't understand the nobility the general nobility of the United States at this point, when you're an adult, then you're a moron. <laughs> well said. Okay? Yep. Because all you have to do, and I'm a historian, as you know, is look back at the unbelievable sacrifice that the American people have made in blood and treasure to free billions of people all over the world, even when we failed in Vietnam, in Iraq to some extent, in Afghanistan. We were trying to bring freedom to those people at the extent of our soldiers and our taxes. If you don't get that, then you don't want to get it. And I don't really have time for your neurosis. I hmm. think it's a neurosis. Yeah. And I think that people, their lives don't turn out the way they want or they're bitter about one thing or another. And then they assign it to their country. So, I mean, this reparations for slavery, for example, this is the best example. The North fought to free the slaves at a tremendous price in dead Union soldiers and maimed Union soldiers. Okay? Slavery was heinous. It was horrible. It It was the worst thing that has ever happened in this country. But the mistake was rectified at a tremendous, horrific cost so that you must bring in those calculations uh, and stop with all this nonsense about how evil the United States is. Look, I've been to 85 countries, and, and this is a theme of our show on October 27th. Sid Rosenberg and Bill O'Reilly could not have done what we have done in our careers in any other country on this planet. Uh, for me, that's definitely the case. I'm not sure about you. You're a pretty bright guy. I think Dublin, you would have done fine. But for me, that's certainly the case. <laughs> no, no. I, it, I've i been there to Ireland. Never, never would a guy like me from a working class family in Levittown been able to dominate the national media in any other country because I would have been blocked from doing it. And it wasn't easy for you and I to succeed. We had to work our butts off to do it. But the pathway is there, which is why millions and millions of perhaps billions of people all over the world want to come here. And I don't like this America love it or leave it business. I've never liked that. But, you know, Miss Rapineau, you don't like it here, there's a lot of places you can go and kick the soccer ball, <laughs> okay? Great. Well done. Uh, that is great, great commentary right there, folks. That's why BillOReilly.com, No Spin News, is a must-watch. Uh, Fox News, the old buddies over there, they've been all morning long pretty much on this uh, Eric Schwerin story. He was uh, one of Hunter Biden's business associates, and uh, he went to the White House 
36 times. Why would one of Hunter Biden's business associates be in the White House 36 times if not Hunter Biden wasn't doing something very nefarious? Now, I know you. You're going to say, well, hold on a second. Him showing up doesn't mean Hunter Biden did this or did that. But but you at least admit 36 times for what? I know the answer. What is it? President Biden wanted the weather forecast. <laughs> That's what Dan Goldman said. That's what Dan yep. Goldman said. <laughs> he wanted to talk about the weather. That's right. That's right. And apparently this guy, he's uh, he's on the weather. He knows <laughs> where the clouds are. Oh, boy. Even, look, look, if, again, I, I like to break it down in the simplest form because I'm a simple man. All right. Um, Rosenberg may be even more simple than I am. I don't know. We'll find out. Certainly, certainly Bo Deedle is simpler than I am, but not very many people are more simple than O'Reilly. Okay. So if you don't know by now, and I'm talking to every American, if you don't know that Joe Biden was in on the grift, then you're either astoundingly dumb or incredibly apathetic. That's it. There are, there's no other middle ground. If you don't know that now, it's like Donald Trump. If you don't know that Donald Trump is going to say whatever the deuce he wants to say by now, if you don't know that, you can, you know, you're not being promoted to the next grade, okay? <laughs> it's just as simple as that. The Biden family grifted. Great word. Love the word. About $30 million from foreign nations. Hunter was the point man. Joe was the deal closer. Get him on the phone. I'll say hello. They'll do the deal. That's what happened. What do you think of Mike Pence? You know, I actually went on the air yesterday, and um, in my tremendous support and uh, blind loyalty at this point of Donald Trump, I've gotten as bad as my late great partner Bernard, God rest his soul, maybe even worse. And I called uh, Pence a backstabber. I know Pence is out there doing the right thing. He's there doing the right thing. Uh, I think he's a little heavy on Trump. Trump uh, really plucked him out of obscurity in Indiana, made the guy the vice president, and you know what? Maybe Trump did ask him to do something that wasn't right. But, man, Pence doesn't shut the F up. What are your thoughts on Mike Pence? Well, he's caught and doesn't understand the implications of where he is. So there's only one guy that can convict Donald Trump, and that's Mike Pence. And if Pence goes into the courtroom and says, Donald Trump knew the election was not a fraud, but he said it anyway. And I can prove it, and here's the proof. Donald Trump goes down. He has no way to prove it unless he's got an audio well, tape. I, well, that remains to be seen. Right. I don't, I don't think that Pence can prove it. No. Unless somebody like Mark Meadows would say, yeah, I was in the same uh, conversation, and, and Trump said X, Y, and Z. The jury in the trial, if it ever gets there, that would be really damning. Pence himself is an honest man. He's in over his head now. Okay? He did the right thing because there was no basis 
not to certify the electoral votes. In order for Pence to not certify them, there would have had to been evidence presented in a federal court about massive fraud in the election. That evidence was not presented. So constitutionally, Pence had to do what he did. Now, Donald Trump doesn't believe that, will never believe it, because he doesn't want to believe it, okay? But that's the historical fact. Yeah. Pence did the right thing. But now he doesn't know what to do. He's not going to be president. He's not going to get the nomination. He's foolish for even running. He did a pretty good job as vice president, by the way. Pence. He did. Yes, he did. I mean, he, he and Trump had uh, dined a couple of days a week. And, you know, Pence was a moderating force in a lot of the deal making that Trump did that was successful. Not only that, but uh, for me, at least, anecdotal as it is, during the whole COVID crisis, when I started to figure out that I couldn't trust Fauci, I couldn't trust Burks, and Trump was just, you know, doggy paddling. The guy I came to trust most when he spoke every day at 5 o'clock was Mike Pence. Well, Pence will tell the truth as he sees it. He's an evangelical Christian, a very straight guy. Um, But now, look, for me, as a reporter historian, I talk to Donald Trump uh, often. And Donald Trump sincerely believes the election of 2020 was rigged. I know that. I know him more than 30 years. That's what Donald Trump believes. Now, for the federal government to go in and say to a jury, oh, he really didn't believe that, that's not true. Trump believed it because he wanted to believe it. And I'm sitting here going, if that's your case, you're going to lose. The government will lose. Okay? But if Pence comes in with something to contradict my analysis, then things change. But as you said, I don't think he's got that. No. I don't either. No. Uh, Defense attorney, very famous defense attorney who loves you, Bill, author idologist, texted me. He said, Pence can prove based on his own testimony there does not need to be any corroboration. If the jury believes Pence beyond a reasonable doubt, that's enough evidence to convict. That's according to famed defense attorney, author idola. Okay, but Arthur needs to take a nap because (laughs) he said, he said, So there is a doubt in any fair-minded person's mind. You know, if you go in to a a jury and the jury is a hanging jury that hates you and wants to convict you, then Arthur's correct. But if it's people there who are listening to both sides of the story and evaluating, of course there would be a reasonable doubt if Trump goes in and testifies, look, I was told this, 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 and this, and here's who told me that. Right. Reasonable doubt. But to your first point, you, you talked about a jury who wants to kill him unless they move the venue, which never happens with a federal case. He's going to be in Washington, D.C., where they want to kill him. Well, the, here's, though, an interesting part of this. The Trump lawyers are going to file for a change of venue and a change of judge. If that doesn't happen, if they're turned down, they'll take it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is watching this really closely. The Supreme Court does not like this. The six traditional jurists on the court, they don't like this because they rightly understand this is election interference for 2024. Yep. 
That's what the Trump lawyers want. Yep. They want to get this to the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court says whatever they're going to say. I don't believe the Supreme Court is going to allow Donald Trump to be tried in Washington, D.C., in front of this anti-Trump judge. I hope not. That is not, you know, the basis of our Constitution is a fair justice system. That is not fair. Couldn't agree more. Uh, even though fat Chris Christie disagrees with you, I couldn't agree more. Hey, Bill, this was great, and uh, we should seriously consider having you come on more than once a week. It's too good for that. So thank you for hopping on this morning. Once again, folks, go to ParamountNY.com, BillOReilly.com, or Ticketmaster purchase tickets for our big night coming up October the 27th, Huntington, Long Island, New York State of Mind at the Paramount, Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg. Bill, as always, magnificent job. Thank you so much. Okay, Sid, thanks for having me. You're the best. Bill O'Reilly, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Still lots more to do this morning. Monica Crowley coming up later on this hour. And the head of the DEA, Paul DiGiacomo, in studio. And the better half of Opie and Anthony, the genius that is Anthony Cumia. All that's still to come with Liz Pipko on a Tuesday morning with Sid and Friends in the morning. On the road to my horizon. But I'm gonna be where the lights are shining on me Like a rhinestone cowboy Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo Rhinestone cowboy Getting caught with letters from Sid and friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! I took her out. It was a Friday night. I woke alone to get the feeling right. We started making out and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV. And that's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes you when you're 23. And I saw more of these my TV shows. What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should have to look over it, Tom. At least to make sure she's okay with the music. When she starts to head nod and smile, I know it's okay. Not a big Glenn Campbell fan. But uh, this this song you seem to like, Tom. I didn't say I wasn't a fan. It's, this is more me. No, you 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 are not a fan. I, I don't know enough. But Glenn Campbell is an American treasure. You are too caught up in the. Well, I don't know how to say this. There we but, go. Well, you're just too caught up. And you know what I'm going to say. I'm just not going to say. Let's just it, say I like Blink 182 better. I know That's you a did. You, you did cry at the Blink 182 concert. I did. Yeah. Nostalgia. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They'll get you. <laughs> So what um, what do you think about Trump? I mean, we know, of course, that, uh, you know, you're friendly with him. You see him. Your husband works with him every day. But on a serious note, uh, you just heard Bill O'Reilly talking about him. My dollar kind of chiming in. You've had guests all day talking about Donald. Not really uh, Bo and Curtis uh, much, but Monica Crowley will coming up next. What do you think of all this? 
It's a loaded question. Um, I'm scared, <laughs> obviously, um, as a supporter, but also just as an American. I don't think any of what's happening is good for the country, which I think is what should be on all of our minds. Unfortunately, that's not on anyone's mind because their hatred of Donald Trump kind of fogs their brains. But no, I'm scared for the country. I'm obviously scared for him. I'm scared of what this election is going to look like. And when, what when you means. say you're scared for him, because yeah. I remember you saying very, very early on, very early on, when all these indictments were first being talked about, and we said there could be one, there could be two, there could be three, there could be four, and by next week, four will come to fruition. Yep. I remember you kind of downplaying the whole thing. You were saying, listen, even if it happens, he's going to be okay. And now you're telling me you're scared for him. Why? I think he's going to be okay. I always think that, but it's not. It's still not fun watching someone go through that because, yeah. you know, of a divided country and a polarized country and people that genuinely are afraid of him getting back into office. That's just not what America is supposed to look like, but I, I still stand by the fact that he's going to be fine. And he'll uh, win the presidency. You do believe that? I, I do believe that. Do you think if he, when he, when he does win, that all the stuff he's going to know, when he says over the weekend, for example, if you come after me, <laughs> he smiled, I'm coming after you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I believe that he's going to react that way. So for all the people right now that are having fun, kicking him in the face while he's being indicted, arraigned, and arrested, they have a day of reckoning coming. You believe that? I mean, they wouldn't be kicking him in the face if they weren't obscenely confident that he was never going to come back in. So, yeah, it, it's it's scary to watch, but I genuinely believe if he gets back in, it will be scary time. It will be scary for them. Yes. Yeah. Because he's not the type of guy that's just going to say this and then win and not try to really stick it in their face. No. But also, if anyone believes that this is, you know, a fair situation... I mean, we'd let it go, but I don't think anyone does. So when he gets in there, he will definitely take a look at that and ruin a few people's lives, which I'm afraid of. I don't think America needs that, but I, I can't see him letting it go. I saw uh, on CNN they were saying that the day after the last indictment that he was mad, pissed off. He was yelling at everybody. And I spoke to one of his attorneys, Alina Hubba. You know Alina. Mm-hmm. She was on yesterday, and she said, well, I can tell you this. I was on an airplane with him coming home from D.C. after the arraignment. I never heard him yell once. I know Trump. I know he, he absolutely yells. Stop it. Stop it. And he's scary. He could be scary. But uh, the question basically was, did CNN exaggerate? Which is a silly question, because, of course, they always do. Right. And her answer was yes. When you're around him, does he seem like he's crazy and mad and angry and nervous? and Or is he out there, you know, for the most part, playing golf and texting and just being Trump? I mean, honestly, I would not judge anyone that was a little scary if this was happening to them. But, no, he is, he's actually taking it scarily well. There's yeah, a video fine. A video went viral of him, like, crashing a wedding at one of his clubs <laughs> the night after, I believe, the arraignment. I mean, he was yeah. literally fine and dancing with this couple. Yeah. So, no, it's 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 weirdly inspiring to witness because I let the smallest thing ruin my day, and he lets his well, third arraignment, you, you know, do. just make him stronger. Yeah, why don't you try to be more like him? I've thought about it. I should <laughs> probably do that. How would you do that? You can't. You're not. You're not capable of doing that because you do. You do allow the smallest thing. Yeah, I to, have some Jewish anxiety. That's what me. it is. Yeah. Trump's not Jewish. He's not Jewish. And no. the whole Jewish thing, you just. I try to explain this to non-Jews. The guy, I'm like Lewis. And they just, they don't understand. They don't get it. Yeah, they no. don't get it. Our they'll, nervous they'll systems, it. our stomachs, we're just, we're built different. Well, no, here's the problem. I'll give it to you right now, and then we'll get to Monica Crowley. If you are, uh, Lewis, uh, what are you, uh, Presbyterian, or what are you? Uh, I'm a Druid. Okay, actually. he's a Druid, yeah. <laughs> so the, the Catholics, or the Christians, let's say they do something really bad today. Okay, well, the good news is, you can go this mm-hmm. afternoon to a priest, and it's always the same thing. Give me 30 Hail Marys, wrap the rosary beads, and tomorrow, go out and do the same thing. Just make sure you come back to confession. Us, 
if you screw up the day after Yom Kippur, there is no confession. You got to sit around for 364 days for the next day of atonement. So you that's it. Your so year we build up all this guilt. Yes. Oh, okay. You guys can go rape and pillage whatever the hell you want. <laughs> well, you go right to the priest for confession. Well, you're good to go. The leaders, maybe might, need 50 hell The marriage. leaders even do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> of the, <laughs> Let me go to my uh, news director, Noam Layden, just to make sure this is accurate. Uh, Noam, am I right about that? You're 100 percent correct. Right. We have to. We screw up the day after Yom Kippur. You've got to wait 364 <laughs> days, and with all this guilt, that's why. Jewish people are, are guilty. Yes? That's why we have spilches. Because you carry it around day after Yom Kippur. You mess up. You're, the whole year, it's on your yeah. head. Now, you, you know what spilches means, uh, Liz? I can guess from that, yeah. Well, it's, but maybe not, because it's actually like, you know, you're, you're kind of wiry and moving around a lot. So and, me. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't sit in one place at one like yeah, you. You, me, you, have, yeah, you have spokes, I yes. do. Like as yes. Bo would say, you got shaken bake. So, exactly <laughs> right. Like Jamani won. <laughs> Bo, Bo is too much. What is, man. What is that you but, doing there? What do you got? Spilkes or shake and bake? I don't I don't understand. What do you do? It's not, sit still. We gotta get Bo. That's actually funny. We should get Bo to do one Yiddish word a week. I mean Bo is uh isn't one of his one of his kids Jewish or something or his daughter's I, I, wife I don't, is. I don't have his family tree. I think, I think it me. is. I, don't know. I think his wife is Jewish. Yeah, I think his wife is okay. Jewish. I think his, his daughter's Jewish. And he's got that grandson who's a gorgeous little boy and is a like a big-time <laughs> actor. Big-time actor. The kid was a star of a Broadway show. Uh, Jackson, I think his name is. I think he's Jewish. Not to find these things out. Anyway, Monica Crowley <laughs> is uh, coming up next. But first, at 8.39 on your Tuesday morning, Liz, a quick look at traffic. Liz, be positive, Liz. Uh, listen to me now. Let's, I am great. You are great. That's how you do it. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I was alone, I took a ride, I didn't know what I would find there. Another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind there. Ooh, and I suddenly see you. Ooh, did I tell you I need you? You know, it's funny. We just had a promo music radio, 77 WABC, remembers uh, Tony Bennett. Right, who didn't love Tony Bennett? The great Tony Bennett. Well, unfortunately, on this show, this is how we remember Tony Bennett. What do you do with these terrorists who blew up the World well, Trade Center? Well, if they didn't have weapons, like he said, they, they don't make them themselves. But who That's are the true. terrorists? Are we the terrorists or are they the terrorists? Well. Two wrongs don't make a right. They're the ones who started with that plane flying into the World Trade Center. What do you do? I don't know about that. You don't think so? No, that's another story. I'm what do you mean? What do you think? You don't, are you one of those conspiracy guys who thinks they didn't fly the plane in, that maybe the government no, they, started? they flew the plane in. But? But we caused it. Why? Because, because of... they were, we were bombing them, and they told us to stop. Hmm. They said, what are you doing? And they came on stronger, and they said, come on, we're going to have to retaliate. <laughs> no, no, no. They said, go give them four times as much. Yeah, so sometimes when it's they, not clear. So sometimes yeah. it's not clear. Yeah. Yeah, who's a bigger dick than me? <laughs> yeah, I'm the biggest dick ever. I know I am. I don't care. That's how I remember Tony Bennett. Even Liz Pipko, she's like, oh, that's so nice, Tony Bennett. I go, wait till you hear this. <laughs> now, how do you feel? He's always been so, he was always very nice to me. Uh-huh. Now, um, how do you feel? I'm a little uncomfortable. 
uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. I, yeah. I, did, I didn't love that. Yeah. He yeah. said 9-11 was our fault. Yeah. Anyway. Now you can join Sid. I don't want to speak That's ill fine. of the dead. That's fine. Great. There you okay. go. Great. You I go, left my you... terrorist in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, you, can't, can't, when you go, what they're going to play. Oh, I mean, they're oh, going oh, 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 oh. <laughs> to dig up things. Well, here's what we're going to do before I get to Monica. Well, we're going to erase everything? Yes. No, no, no. We're going to do a show one day as if I was dead. Okay. And you and uh, Justin and Ohm are going to host it. Okay. That's and you're going to bring idea. up all the things like uh, I just did with Tony. Okay. Maybe Serena. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff out that there. sounds like a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work. Shut up, too. Justin. <laughs> Jerk. He's, he's more work that's when he's dead than when he's alive. <laughs> yeah, he only said one thing, Tony Bennett. It was just one bad thing. Right. Uh, here, here is uh, Monica Crowley, who is a genius. She's got a great podcast, a Monica Crowley podcast, worked for Donald Trump, and it's just one of the, the brightest and uh, nicest women you'll ever meet. Did I just ruin your whole Tony Bennett thing, too, Monica? Hope I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no comment on, on that. Do not speak ill of the dead. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all on that. So I'm just going to leave that there. Okay. Uh, so you've never, no one ever died that you weren't happy about. But do you not speak ill about Osama bin Laden? I'm just curious. <laughs> well, it's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, did you know, though, that Tony Bennett made those remarks on Howard Stern show? Did you know that? No, I did not know that. And isn't that a commentary on the uh, mainstream media that they did not pick up those comments and amplify them? I mean, we all should know about those comments, right, because the press should have grabbed a hold of them and reported them far and wide. And yet nobody was aware that he made those comments because the press was in the business of protecting him because he was a lifelong Democrat, a lifelong liberal, and he was certainly entitled to vote the way he wanted and, and say what he wanted. But those kinds of remarks should have been amplified more. But it, nobody in the press wanted to destroy his career, so they protected him. Well said. And he was. He grew, you know, he died Upper West Side with the worst liberals this country has. Now he was a hero. Some, some jerky guy actually emailed Chad and was like, you know, Sid should know better. He served this country proudly. That's okay. You know, it's not like every veteran is a hero. And like, I mean, I, I, I respect what they did. I'll always be thankful for that. But, yes, there are some veterans who still say stupid things. And right there, that was really gross out of Tony Bennett. Anyway, let's get to uh, the latest indictment, Donald Trump, Monica. Uh, we know, of course, how you felt about the prior two. Do you feel any different this time around? Uh, yeah, I do feel differently this time around. I'm even more angry. <laughs> I mean, and I'm even more pissed off, yeah. I think, along with more and more Americans who, with every uh, new indictment, they just look at this entire spectacle, Sid, and they just, they're rolling their eyes. They are increasingly angry about what is increasingly evident to be a weaponized Department of Justice, FBI, and other government agencies, not just targeting Donald Trump. I mean, obviously, he's in their crosshairs. They will not stop until the man is in prison and unable to run for president ever again. That's their ultimate objective. But the, the greater goal for them is to come after you and me and pretty much everybody in this audience because we are all America first. And so they've got to go after the main obstacle to achieving their radical agenda, which is 
Donald Trump because he is the symbol of America first. But in actuality, they're coming after all of us. We are the biggest obstacle. We're the ones fighting this tooth and nail. So they have to destroy the America first movement. And of course, like I said, Donald Trump is the most obvious symbol of that. But in the end, they are looking to disperse us, smear us, attack us, in many cases, jail us, silence us, simply because we have an opinion that America should be restored to its foundational principles and therefore to greatness. They cannot abide that. So this is far more dangerous than any single indictment of Donald Trump. He often says that uh, they're not out to get me, they're out to get you. I just happen to be the guy in the way, which I think is great. And you're right, they're out to get all of us, uh, all of us who believe in the principles this country was built on that no longer matter for some reason, which doesn't make any sense to me. I did like the fact that even through all of this, Monica, being you're a, a financial genius and worked in that in that field for Donald Trump during his presidency with Mnuchin and those guys, uh, that he took time to actually criticize Bidenomics, which for some reason Joe Biden thinks he can fool America. Yes, inflation is down, but he's strangling us with interest rates, which is really causing a major issue in this country. There are other indicators that are not on Joe Biden's side. So Donald Trump, even through all of this, quick to point out a couple of days ago, Bidenomics, a complete nightmare. Yeah, and, you know, President Trump, uh, obviously, he needs to push back on all of these BS indictments. And he is doing that. He's putting out a lot of statements. He's got great legal uh, uh, minds working on this and legal voices out there defending him and pushing back and, and getting ready for these multiple trials, which are all just absurd and nonsense, also extremely dangerous. But Trump is always at his best when he's talking about policy. And so to your point about talking about the economy and the failures, the absolute uh, weakness of the Biden economy based on Biden economics or whatever the heck they're calling it, he is right to do that. He's right to focus on the abject failure, deliberate failure, the deliberate torpedoing of the American economic miracle under Donald Trump, the the deliberate sending of hundreds of billions of dollars to the war in Ukraine. All of this stuff Donald Trump needs to be hitting, the border, the collapse of law and order, the collapse of America's great cities, all of this, which Donald Trump had turned around in four short years, Uh, Joe Biden has collapsed all of it in just a couple of years. So when Trump stays focused on that, on his extraordinary record of delivering a booming economy, uh, law and order, a secure border, and getting America out of these interventionist foreign wars around the world that were going nowhere, when he focuses on those three or four things, he is at his strongest. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be defending himself against uh, this nonsense, the legal assault, the lawfare coming at him. But most of the American people want to know, listen, they want to be reminded he delivered an extraordinary four years his first term as president, what is he going to do in his second term? Exactly that and more. When he focuses on that, he gets people to lean in more closely and listen to what he has to say. Above all of the noise of his style and his true social posts and the indictments and everything else. You know, you mentioned the world wars and uh, fat Chris Christie. I, I can't stand this guy. And he's everywhere. He's right now, as you and I are speaking, he's on with Joe and Mika talking about his meeting with Zelensky, talking about that world war 
Russia and uh, Ukraine. He was on with Jane Pauley on Sunday. He was on a uh, Fox channel, actually, just yesterday. And it does beg the question, Monica Crowley, why does a guy who right now has 1.8% of the vote, he's about 50 points, 50, behind Donald Trump, why does this guy get so much national attention? Why? Because, because Chris Christie is the kind of Republican that the left loves. So they will they will take these kinds of Republicans who are more than happy to uh, shoot inside the tent, whether it's Chris Christie or Mitt Romney or or any of them, and go after the standard bearer of America first, and that is Donald Trump. The left is more than happy to champion them. Now, the second Chris Christie turns around, embraces Trump. Uh, re-embraces the conservative political agenda, they will drop him so fast your head will spin and they will return to demonizing him. But for now, he's a useful idiot. And so, like all useful idiots, he bathes in their adoration. Okay, he loves being on with Joe and Mika. Um, He's no longer useful. They will discard him like yesterday's newspaper. And and he knows that. Chris Christie is not stupid. He knows that. He is being he's being used, but he wants to be used. Chris Christie's entire mission in this race is just to hit Donald Trump over and over again. And that's why Trump is wise to say, look, why should I do any of these Republican debates? I'm 50 points ahead of my nearest competitor, Governor DeSantis. Why should I be a punching bag for all of these people who are pulling a 3% or less? Two of my prior guests, I brought this guy up. I just did it with Bill O'Reilly about 30 minutes ago. But I really want to hear your take on this, Monica. And that's Mike Pence. He uh, is in that indictment. He said, listen, I did the right things that day. Donald Trump did not. Donald Trump asked me to do something unconstitutional. I wouldn't do it. Donald Trump continues to berate me. And at this point, I'm even considering testifying. Maybe he said no since then. I don't know. But what is your take on Mike Pence, who I actually called a backstabber a couple of days ago? I mean, Donald Trump plucked this guy out of obscurity, some Indiana politician, made him vice president, and not as bad as Chris Christie, but he spends his days now, Mike Pence, going after Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, I am incredibly disappointed in the former vice president, but I can't say I'm I'm shocked. I mean, it's just one person after another, Sid, who have turned their backs on Donald Trump, stabbing him in the back. Look, if Mike Pence is subpoenaed and forced to testify, that's one thing. But to stand up and volunteer to throw your former boss under the bus like this is really outrageous. I I find, you know, and it's not just Pence, but all of these people who were given a once in a lifetime opportunity in Pence's case to serve as vice president of the United States. They were giving once in a lifetime jobs and opportunities to really make history and turn the country around. And by the way, it made all of their careers, uh, you know, we were serving high levels of government to then turn around and do that to the person who gave you that opportunity and that gift. I find it all despicable. I find all of this betrayal disgusting, and I will never do it. Finally, Ron DeSantis, he's been trying to get tougher lately. I mean, Trump 
beat him so badly for so many months. He beat him in the submission that the day DeSantis entered the race, Monica, as you know, it was already over. I mean, was, the, the rig and mortis had already set in. So now all of a sudden he's decided 50 points down months and months later. Let me get tough. So, for example, yesterday he actually blamed the funded mail-in ballots on Trump. He said he signed the bill. He turned the government over to Fauci. He says, of course, Trump lost the 2020 election. It was not taken from him. What are your thoughts on Ron DeSantis in August deciding to get tough? Yeah, you know, none of this is going to work. Um, I have said this so many times on my podcast and elsewhere and here with you that, that Donald Trump developed something organically the moment he announced in June of 2015, which so many other politicians tried desperately to try to manufacture and they can never do it, but Trump developed it organically. And that is an emotional bond with the American people. Not political, not intellectual, emotional. And now there's so much water under the bridge here with Donald Trump, and he keeps getting hit for the simple reason that he wants to make America great again, and he wants to put Americans first. So for that crime, he's been persecuted for eight straight years. People cannot wait to vote for him again. I can't wait to vote for him again. I told him this recently that I can't wait yeah, yeah. to vote for you again. Yeah. And, and so nothing the other Republican candidates can do um, is going to overcome that. And we also know from the last couple of go-arounds here that whether it was Marco Rubio in 2016 or now Chris Christie in 2023, 2024, when you go nasty on Donald Trump, it just comes off as petty and small. And so the, the reality is there is no other lane for these GOP candidates. You know, DeSantis was trying to do hands-off and focus on his Florida record all to the good, but that wasn't working because nothing is going to work against Donald Trump. So now he's, like, trying to take the gloves off and try to hit him the way Chris Christie is or maybe a little less personally than Christie is. But that's not going to work either. Everything falls flat because Donald Trump stands like a colossus over the Republican Party, but really over the country as well. That is so well said. This is why you're great. This is why people love that Crowley podcast, which comes out, if I'm correct, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Give everybody the details on the great Monica Crowley podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Sid. Now, actually, the show is Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I want to make mention right here on WABC that on I've got a great show coming up today. I'm going to have Kimberly Gilfoyle on, breaking down the latest on the, the Trump indictment. I think she's mad at me. I think she's mad at me. Uh-oh. Between you oh, and I. Well, because, well, because, because, I've, because I've gotten close with Lara Trump, and I think there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Between us, don't bring this up on the air, but I, I think that's the case. So between you and I. Well, I guess and the well, millions listening right no now. <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm happy to smooth that out for you, Sid. Um, so, so I've got a huge show today. I'm going to break apart a lot of really big issues. And then I just want to say on Thursday, this week on the Monica Crowley podcast, I'm going to have your friend and mine, John Katsimatidis, nice. on my show. Yes, to talk about his new book, How Far Do You Want to Go, and talk about how all of us can become billionaires. And, of course, I love John, and we're going to talk about politics, too, so I can't wait. Uh, he's great, and, uh, you know, with all the economic background you've got, and there's nobody better, nobody. I bring on a lot of people, Larry Kudlow, Charlie Gasparino, even Ronnie and Santa on the left, and uh, you're at the very, very top. But John is a guy that's done it 
Guy's made uh, $4 billion. So uh, for me to sit down with a guy like that, which I do often on this show as well, is always great. Well, congratulations. Two great shows coming up this week. And please keep coming back here because we love you. Monica, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Sid. Love you, too. All right. Thank you. Monica Crowley, she really is terrific. Check her out Tuesdays and Thursdays now, the Monica Crowley podcast. Kimberly Gilpoil coming up today. John Katzmatidis coming up on Thursday. We're not done yet, folks. Oh, not even close. The head of the DEA, the Detective Endowment Agency, my dear friend, Paul DiGiacomo, live in studio. But first, the better half of a legendary combination, Opie and Anthony, the incredibly entertaining Anthony Cumia, back after a two-year hiatus when we get back with our number four of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Through your fears and sorrow, smile and maybe. You'll see the sun come shining through for you. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Why don't you apply for a new radio job? I don't think you understand what happened to the business. I make more money doing this and putting out my podcast than I would make in radio these days. No. When Imus was retiring, Not true. WABC wanted to hire me, and they wanted to pay me $100,000 a year. They said, that's all we have. Now, you might think to yourself, wow, 100000 a year would be a, a sweet living. Yeah, I'm not I'm what? not poo-pooing the money. But the problem is 100000 wait for it. My agent got at least 10%. So now we're down to 90,000. So out of the 90 that I had left, I probably would have had a, I had a, at least give up 40 of that for my guys at least. So now I'm doing a, I'm taking over for IMS in a pressure cooker of a situation. And I'm making uh, about $50,000 a year for taxes. (laughs) That's what happened to the business. And so I said no. And then the guy came to me six months later after I think he hired uh, Bernie and Sid to do mornings. <clears throat> but I was the first choice. That is the truth. Sure. That is the truth. Right. And maybe they ended up paying them more. I have no idea. Oh, I, a lot I, more. I, I could just yeah. speak for no, a lot more. My yeah, wake up, dummy. God, is he stupid. Opie. Oh, I was the first choice. If they offered you $100,000, you were never the first choice, dummy. What morning show host in New York makes $100,000? Board ops make that. Producers. That wasn't a real offer, you dump. This guy's made millions and millions of dollars. He's had a much bigger career than I've had. And he's stupid. Of course, they know that wasn't a real offer. And of course, he made more, a lot more. Me and Bernie. God, is he stupid. Anyway, he's half of the legendary combination. Not the better half, of course. With uh, Anthony Cumia, Opie and Anthony. And my first radio job ever in New York. Back in 2000, 23 years ago, Scott Kaplan and I came to New York and hosted mornings on WNEW when that station was kicking ass. Leslie Gold, the radio chick, and Ron and Fez, one of those guys is dead. Don and Mike, I think Don just got suspended. And, of course, uh, the big guy was uh, Opie and Anthony. That was the big show. And they were great. Oh, Anthony did um, at one point wish that I had OD'd and died in a hotel room. We've been over that before. That was unfortunate. But I think I've actually forgiven him at this point. He is a tremendous talent. He's got a great show of his own weekday afternoons. Here he is back again after a two-year hiatus. 
the great Anthony Cumia. Oh, my God, Sid. What's up, man? <laughs> did you ever hear that nonsense uh, that, that Opie put I, out yes. there? Yes, I did. Uh, I couldn't believe, because I got the first offer for $20, $20 a show. That's what it was. And I did accept it, but someone said that, that the, they did it for $10. So I, I, you outbid me. Oh, God. I mean, I heard that. I mean, you guys, there was a point when you were doing this show at WNEW at CBS, and I'm sure Sirius XM, too. I'm not counting your money, but you're in the millions. How could he be dumb enough to think that it was a legitimate offer at $100,000 to replace Imus on a legendary station like this? How could he think that? I swear, I, I, he, he's a compulsive liar. I just got to say it. He just can't, can't tell the truth. That is insane, first of all. Uh, they would probably have just put a dead Imus behind the mic <laughs> before they would have. <laughs> dead Imus. Imus with morning show. Uh, they would have put him there before they put um, Opie there. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. By the way, I, I think I actually worked with Dead Imus the last five years of his career. Oh, dead dead oh. Imus. Sid, Sid is going to be on uh, later uh, this morning. On the dead Imus in the morning program. You know, I was told that's brilliant, by the way. That's one of uh, the very, very many impressions that Anthony does. He's a genius. I was talking earlier with Curtis about uh, partners gone wrong because uh, Bernard, of course, tragically passed away last year. And, and uh, thank God to the yeah. very day he died, he and I remained brothers. We never, ever, ever had a bad day. We disagreed plenty more than the people out yeah, there yeah. even know. You know that. Uh, but we loved each other. But I went over Mike and the Mad Dog and Curtis and Kuby and, and you and Anthony. Oh, so I guess God. you guys yeah. you guys never mended those fences. Huh? You and Opie, I should say. Yeah. You never mended those yeah, fences? Yeah. It's one. No, never. I mean, we still, uh, there's an animosity there. There's resentment. There's. All the things you get in a marriage uh, that we had as, uh, you know, supposedly two men, uh, they shouldn't act like that. And I've seen it over the years. Yeah, I've seen a lot of radio guys that just uh, they completely uh, uh, are at each other's throats. And uh, the weird thing is all the people you mentioned were making bank, just making all kinds of money and for some reason cannot get along. Just can't get along. What do you think it was? I, look, I know that with you guys, everybody said the same thing. Opie was nothing more than a traffic cop. He was good at it, but he was a traffic yeah. cop. The real talent was Anthony. Anthony was funny, did the impressions. Anthony was smarter. The real talent was Anthony. So do you think that despite as a team making millions, at the end of the day he resented you because you were considered the real talent? Yeah, I think, you know, when me and Jim Norton, the comic, you know, Jim, uh, who uh, yep. was on the show also, me and Jimmy started really being the, the voice of the show. And uh, I think Opie resented that and hated that fact uh, that we were kind of getting that recognition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was uh, that. Was that. Uh, but I want to wrap up the conversation that, with this. Wrap it, wrap it up with this. For people that, that give uh, Opie a hard time and say, again, he, he wasn't the real talent. Uh, in your opinion, was Opie, as a teammate of yours, was he talented or not? Yeah, I think in what he did, uh, he was navigating uh, the show and whatnot, but uh, that's not 
the guy on the show that uh, shines, you know, behind the scenes you're doing stuff, but it's not the guy that shines. And then if you can't take that and end up presenting the people that are shining on the show, uh, that's your problem, you know? Well said, Anthony Cumia, the man, Anthony, who I got to tell you, I miss you. The audience missed you. I think the last time you were on, Bernard was still alive. It may have been the old Madison Square Garden uh, address. Yeah. So much, yeah, you haven't been here yet to the to the new address. And the last time you were on, Anthony, uh, besides your uh, your tough football days and your rough trips to Atlantic City, you uh, you professed your love just about every week for President Donald Trump. And Anthony, yes. here we go again, dude. I am. I cannot believe that there are still people in this country that think this. Indictment nonsense is legitimate. They said it. They said it years ago. We are going to do whatever it takes to keep this guy out of office. We are going to do whatever it takes to keep him from running for president again. He will never be in the White House again. And now they're still. And some people act on the up and up. I mean, obviously, it's another one of these uh, uh, corrupt scams that the uh, Democrats are running to prevent uh, a a guy that isn't in their club from being in office. They admitted it, and people still can't see it, Sid. I agree, and you're right when you say they actually did say. I mean, years ago, even a page and stroke at the FBI came out and said, we've got an insurance policy to make sure this guy doesn't win. You remember that? Yeah. They said Biden, his puppet masters, all of them have said, we will do what it takes. He will never be in the White House again. And they come up with all this garbage. While, by the way, everyone else is uh, just uh, covered in corruption (laughs) and garbage. (laughs) I I mean, they, they don't want you looking at that. They don't want us looking at the fact that Hunter and Joe were involved in so much corruption and and selling uh, Joe's uh, office to China and Ukraine uh, and Russia over the years. And and they don't want us looking at that. So, you know, their shiny spinning pinwheel is Donald Trump. Look over here. Look, isn't this amazing? They can't pile enough garbage on this guy. And, you know, to, to Donald Trump's credit, uh, he's taking it, and he's rolling with these punches, and it will be the biggest travesty of justice if this all does go down, and God forbid this guy ends up uh, in prison because of this. You know, I'm just in the evolution of Anthony Cumia. I used to work with a guy you know him very well, Anthony, Joe Beningo at WFAN, and all he cared oh, about, yeah. you know Joe, all he cared about was the Mets and the Jets and the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And then Donald Trump came down the escalator in 2016, and now yeah. Beningo comes on this show and talks more about Donald Trump than sports. I swear to God. But it only started with Trump. Beningo is going to be 70 years old. It started with Jeez. Trump. When I worked with you, you were dousing young women with bodily fluids and 55-gallon <laughs> drums. <laughs> when did you become this political analyst? What happened? <laughs> it's become so... Like, you're right. Uh, uh, you know, the shock jock, you know, we were the shock jocks. And uh, it was fun. It was crazy. It was a, a wonderful time to be a shock jock. 
but so many things kind of transcended that where your actual life is is uh, involved where, where where politics are concerned and um you so blatantly see what these people are trying to do to this country and you know we've been through it before with uh, presidents and and uh, political leaders and, and and you just go all right well it's not really affecting me I'll, maybe he'll be voted out next term or something but this is so it affects everybody yeah. and it's literally changing our country uh, into something that is unrecognizable anymore. And at some point you've got to start speaking up. If you do have any type of uh, audience or uh, uh, people that listen to you, uh, you can't not talk about it. Oh, and sure. yeah, Donald yeah. Trump brought all that to the surface with a lot of people. I mean, he really exposed uh, that proverbial swamp for what it is. And, and, you know, anybody with any common sense had to had to uh, talk about it. This is the great Anthony Cumia from uh, Opie and Anthony. Uh, and of course, a uh, big uh, Donald Trump guy. So you mentioned that you were shock jocks and you were and you know, the sex for Sam thing obviously was the end yeah. on terrestrial radio. But you still did very, very well on satellite for a while. But when you were kicking ass at NEW, the guy that really paid attention was Howard Stern. He used to call him Howard. Yeah. I love that. And if you had if you had a rivalry with Stern back then, which you did to your credit, you guys were big enough to actually garner that rivalry. How about now? You love Donald oh, Trump. God. He hates him. It's amazing that this guy he has grown into uh, something that he wouldn't even recognize back in the old days. He he would have hated himself <laughs> in the old days. This guy, you know, again, he was a shock jock. That's uh, the category he fell into. But these days, the the Hollywood ass-kissing that goes on, the people he lambasted, you're just seeing them on his show now, and he's, you know, kissing ass. It, it, it's, it's pathetic. And the fact that he looks at someone like Trump as a, a problem and a danger and uh, just shows he's part of the machine. He's part of the, uh, you know, the entertainment industry, which includes the supposed news, uh, Hollywood, Madison Avenue, all of the, the propaganda wings of uh, the left. And uh, he's unrecognizable uh, as what he used to yeah, be, which was, you know, fun, entertaining, yeah. uh, irreverent. Now you just—he's—I uh, don't know what that is. Yeah, he—he still does a good interview, but you're right. He has uh, those aspects are tough. I still—I still enjoy him every now and then, but I do shut yeah. him off. I do shut him off. You know, you talk about Hollywood and all that, Anthony. So I'm not sure if you know this, but I uh, have uh, dipped my big toe into the pool. Yeah. I'm in a show called Gravesend, which is currently number two behind Yellowstone on Amazon Prime. Season two, nine episodes. I'm in five of them, and I've got some great reviews. And uh, and now I've got my first movie coming out this Friday night in Brooklyn. We'll be going to see it. And it's called Inside Man, the true story about the Gemini Lounge at Mob Bar back in Brooklyn yep. in the 70s. But, Anthony, I don't know if you know this, but most of the scenes I shot down in uh, in Florida for the show Gravesend were with Andrew Dice Clay. And oh. Dice and I would spend days together, three days together, my very first scene ever. He taught me what to do. And every time he talked, 
All I thought about was, oh, my God, Anthony. (laughs) And so in one scene, we're sitting in a Lincoln Continental. And I got to pull up to a tennis court, and eventually Dice roughs up this senator on the tennis court. So we're sitting in the car. You know how movies and TV work? You sit more than you Uh work. We're in the car for a half hour. And I said, Dice, I got to tell you, you know, I used to work with Opie and Anthony. And he went on, I swear to you, Anthony, for like 10 minutes about how much he loves you. Then he didn't like you. Then he loves you. He didn't like it. I said, Dice. (laughs) (laughs) So where are uh, you and Dice these days? Oh, best friends. I, best I friends. love him. He, we call each other, and I, I end up on the phone with him. If he calls you, you will not get off the phone for three hours. <laughs> he will not allow you. To leave. It, and it's everything. He's like, you're trying to leave the, the call. You're like, guys, I, I got to run. Oh, one, one more thing. Uh, what, what's your favorite color? It's like, I, I'm a red guy. I like red, and you're like, what? I got to go, Dice. No, one, one more. Uh, medium or well done? What, what do you like? And I'm like, shut up. I got to go. He will not let you oh, go. God. He will talk oh. incessantly. Oh, God. But I love it. That must have been great. Oh, it was great. And I got to tell you. guy is a really good actor. He's a great actor. He almost won the Academy Award and a star is born. And I swear to you, Anthony, he was so nice to me, so sweet to me. I saw him again a couple of weeks ago at yeah. the Red Carpet premiere here in, uh, in, in Queens about a month ago. I love him. I love him. So when you do He's talk great. to him, tell him I love him, okay? Absolutely, uh, Sid. And I'm so looking forward to, uh, to seeing you in this movie. And it's a real movie. This isn't something where it's just, you know, some indie thing. This is a real <laughs> movie. It's a real movie. Lucy Hale's in it. She's got 26 million followers. Emile Hurst. Yeah. Danny A. I mean, this is a very, very big deal. Yes. Real I movie. Saw, uh, Davi's in it. Right? Yes. Yes. Robert Davi. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Robert Davi's in it. Uh, uh, I'm psyched. I'm psyched to see this, man. Well, thank you. And one of these days, I'd love to, I know you're on the west side where you do your show. We're on the east side now on 49th and 3rd. But I would love it if you can uh, find your way here, maybe once a month or twice a month, just to see you, because I do miss you. And uh, this segment just Absolutely. now really, really reminded me of just how great you are, Anthony. You really oh. are great. I did miss you. Got COVID, threw a monkey wrench into that whole thing. Yeah, we were smooth. We were smooth sailing, and uh, yeah, then it became oh no, you can't, uh, you can't go here, you can't go there. Another, another big load of garbage that they uh, put on. on. No uh, doubt, that was one of the biggest scams in the country's history. So oh. on the way out, Anthony, for folks that want to watch you every day, which they should, you're brilliant. How do they do that? Uh, CompoundMedia.com and. Uh, we're on there uh, 4 a.m. Uh, 4 a.m. What am I talking about? <laughs> 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Monday through Thursday. And we got a bunch of other shows uh, during the day on there. I, I whipped that up um, about 10 years ago when I got the boot from Sirius XM. And uh, we've been doing that about 10 years now, man. Wow, 10 Crazy. years already. Wow, good for you. It's, yeah. a great, it's a great place. Compoundmedia.com, 4 to 6, every afternoon. The great Anthony Cumia. Anthony, great to catch up. Let's do it again next week if you would. I love you. Thank you, pal. Absolutely. Love you, Sid. You Take too. Take easy, bro. <laughs> My man, Anthony Cumia, right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. Still to come, Liz Pipko is still here, and we'll talk to the head of the DEA, Paul Giacomo, Tuesday with Sid and Friends in the morning.
Southern WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. The title track of one of my favorite rock and roll albums ever. This is U2, Unforgettable Fire, with the song Unforgettable Fire. I'm afraid to ask you, Lou, what year was this album? Is this all the way back to like 1985? What year is this? Is it 85? I think it is around then, yeah. Well, say maybe earlier. I'm yeah. Jack Manzo checks in. He goes, wow, whip them out Wednesday. That's true. You remember all the wow stickers all over New York. That was Opie and Anthony, my last guest, Anthony Cumia. And I do want to send out a very, very happy birthday wish to my next door neighbor. I've got two sets of great neighbors, John and Margaret to my left and on my right, a family I'm very, very, very close with. I love them. Billy and uh, Jackie Felton. And uh, their three little kids, a happy sixth birthday today to little Gia Felton. What a great kid this is. And uh, Gia bought me Dolly's Ices the day we moved in next door. Gia Felton, six years old today. The Rosenbergs love you. We love all of you, Feltons. Happy birthday to little, adorable Gia Felton. Sitting in front of me live in studio, one of the people I respect most in this city, and I mean that, he is the head of the DEA, the Detectives Endowment Agency. He is responsible for uh, keeping a lot of cops happy these days. Just a uh, honorable, great man, my friend Paul DiGiacomo. Paul, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Great to be on. Thank you. Nice to see you. And I saw you uh, down at the Memorial Wall. Mm-hmm. I think that was the day that you guys unveiled about 77 more names of police officers that have left. Uh, tragic and sad. But it was a beautiful ceremony, yes. and, and it was great to see you that day. And it did show that the brotherhood, the fraternity that you guys have is still very much intact. Well, absolutely. You know, the uh, the 9-11 post-cancer deaths are on a rise. We're up to about 150 detectives that we lost from post-9-11 uh, cancers so far. And that's just the rank of detectives. Yeah. Wow. It's very sad. Uh, you know, people don't realize that a week doesn't go by that we don't hear of another detective that uh, either has cancer or is passing away from cancer, and it's very, very sad. So what is your job specifically running the DEA? I'll never forget the first time John Katsimatidis, I love John, and he loves you, you love him. And he goes, yeah, I got the head of the DEA, and I go, wow, that's a dangerous (laughs) job. And he goes, not really. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was Drug Enforcement Agency. What exactly is your responsibility on a daily basis? Well, the DEA represents over 18,000 active and retired New York City police detectives. And uh, we negotiate their contracts. We negotiate health benefits for them. And we uh, make sure that, uh, you know, everything in the field is going well for them. If there are issues, 
we will intervene and try and re- resolve them. So when you say 18,000, is that all of them, or are there others that you guys don't preside over? No, it's 18,000 active and retired uh, NYPD detectives. You, uh, and retired? Correct. So how long uh, do they have to be retired, or, or are they retired? For a guy like Bo Needle, for example, he's retired. Correct. Is he falling under that umbrella? I'm he's part curious. of the umbrella. We would represent him uh, in a situation if he was involved. We also administer his health benefits and things of that nature. Gotcha. So 18,000 is a pretty big number. That's yes. a very big responsibility. The largest detective union in the world. Well, and so well, before you took on this job as the head of the DEA, were you a, a cop, a, a, a yes, plainclothes start, cop? Yeah, I started out in uh, in the 6-0 precinct as a uh, police officer and then the 7-0. Uh, then I went into narcotics, you know, received my detective shield and uh, became, a, became a DEA delegate and worked up the ladder within the union, union itself. The 60 and the 70, is that in, in Manhattan? No, that's uh, Coney Island and uh, and Flappish. You're a Brooklyn kid. That's right. That's right. You told me this because when you walked in today, you said we practically grew up next to each other. Mm-hmm. I grew up on East 22nd in Quentin. You grew up in Marine Park. I did play basketball there every day. And my sister, Ray Sherry, lived for 20 years at 3519 Avenue R, Right down the block from not, where you grew up. Not far. Yeah, it was 38th and Quentin. That's your neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Do you live in Brooklyn still? No, well, I'm in Staten Island. Now. You're in Staten yeah. Island now. Okay. Uh, give me your opinion, your honest opinion, because often on this show I'll be discussing something and you'll text me. And I go up there, and I'll read it on the air so you know I'm, I'm being honest. Thank oh, you. Paul DiGiacomo, uh, including just Friday when I had Justin Brannon on, mm-hmm. he is uh, a Democrat council person out of Bay Ridge who wields a lot of power in the city council. Uh, you're not a huge fan. <laughs> and uh, you're aggravated over the, some of the things he talked about, including when he tried to say he did not try to defund the police, and you thought that was a lie. Yeah, well, they, uh, many of our elected officials uh, at that time uh, abandoned the police. And uh, now, uh, because crime has gotten so out of control, uh, they're all trying to come back to the middle now. And, uh, you know, my thought is just just be sincere, be yourself, and do what's, what's right for the people of the city. Well, you don't hold a grudge. You're not resentful. So if somebody was not so nice and now they're coming back, or are you resentful? Do you guys feel like, you know what, screw you? Well, I don't there, mind resent. I don't. There is some resent because, uh, you know, many police officers and detectives were hurt during that time in the line of duty. And there was a very difficult time in our history, let alone, uh, you know, in this time period, but, uh, you know, the politicians, many of them, turned their backs on us. There were very few that stood by us, and I, I felt that to be a, a real slap in our face. Including the mayor, uh, de Blasio. Now you've oh, got yeah. Mayor Adams. Yeah. You and I are friends. I don't want you to say anything that may get you into trouble. <laughs> I mean that. Do you feel like Mayor Adams has your back 100%? Well, I think he's uh, he's trying, and, uh, we, you know, it's still new, and uh, we'll, we'll see how we, uh, you know, what direction we go and how we go. So, That's the uh, most honest answer anybody can give, because you could have very easily said, oh, 100%, he's a, you didn't do that. At the same time, you didn't say, no, he doesn't care. Like, I think most people thought Bill de Blasio really hated you guys, hated you. Not the feeling we get from Adams, but he can still do more. Fair? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's a lot to be done with crime. There's a lot to be done with the contracts that have to be resolved. But, uh, you know, it's it's more than just the city issue. It's uh, it's Albany that has to be straightened out, sure. and the federal government as well, as well, and the district attorneys you know, that are not prosecuting these cases. It's a big problem. Now, the cops just got a raise, mm-hmm. and they make about 55000 Paul mm-hmm. DiGiacomo. Uh, that's not enough money. And there's still no there's no qualified immunity. So you guys really put yourself in harm's way every day, not just physically where you can actually die, mm-hmm. but at the, at the risk of somebody just suing you. So do you feel like uh, even after the latest raise, which I guess uh, uh, Keyshawn did, mm-hmm. that you guys are still not represented enough? Well, that's where the union steps in. When the city doesn't represent our members, uh, that's when the union will step in and represent them 
uh, if they're acting in the performance of their duty. And that, that would have been Pat Lynch's old job, but now there's somebody else. Or is that not the – that's the Sergeant Medellin's Association. No, so. no, that's uh, – each union within the NYPD, police officer, sergeant, detective – has their own union of representatives. And that's not really your daily job. Your job is to make sure detectives right now are being taken care of now and when they leave the job. Correct, but Correct. we do represent them in situations where the city is not. Now, when you see what happens on Friday when thousands of people descend Paul DiGiacomo mm-hmm. on, uh, on Union Square, thousands, animals, really, mm-hmm. and it ends up uh, the same way we always end up, like the summer of 2020, throwing stuff at the cops, hurling stuff at the cops, spitting on the cops. You're not surprised, or are you surprised that three years later, kind of the same scene? Well, it's the same scene, and you know what the sad part is. Uh, you know, representatives from uh, CCRB, the Civilian Complaint Review Board, will look to prosecute these uh, these cops that were taking action and making arrests, and that's where we step in and we fight for our members at CCRB. That, Why would they prosecute the cops? Well, this is what CCRB does, CCRB does on a regular basis. And, and uh, what does CCRB stand for? The Civilian Complaint Review Board. And uh, who's in charge of that? Well, there's a mayoral appointee, and they have different appointees within that agency, but there are a lot of college kids doing the investigations that are really not familiar with policing at all. And does the mayor, the mayor appoints these people. So basically their job is to break your balls every day yep, and the mayor absolutely. appoints these people. And the mayor has an appointment. There are a couple of different appointments on the board, but, uh, you know, it's, it's totally out of control. You need someone in there that knows a little bit more about policing because I asked CCRB to stand next to us during these civil unrest situations and see what the cops and detectives go through on a regular basis before you judge them. You know, I know IA, for example, mm-hmm. Internal Affairs, right. they also go after you guys if somebody screws up. Yeah. But don't you think at this point you don't need something like that, that maybe you guys can police yourselves? I mean, if you knew, for example, Paul, that one of your cops was doing something bad, I know you, you're mm-hmm. a tough guy, you'd have no wish of going to that cop and, and either talking to him or, or suspending him. Can't you guys police yourselves? You need a CCRB board that basically wakes up every day looking to break your chops? It's an entity that's not needed. We have plenty of oversight within within the NYPD. Right, exactly. It's kind of like uh, Jumani Williams, a public advocate. Who the hell needs that job? Who needs it? So overall, do you feel like things are getting better for the cops or we're still pretty much stuck in, in the uh, in the quicksand? Well, I think we're stuck in the quicksand. Until uh. we reform some of these bail reform laws, the diaphragm compression bills, and all of the anti-police legislation that's moving forward, uh, they continue to try to tie the hands of the police at the expense of the public. Do you think there's any chance that those things are going to happen with the way Albany uh, seems to be these days? Is there any real, realistic chance that's going to happen? I, I don't believe so. You I don't wish there so. was, but I don't believe so. Oh, my God. I mean, especially some of these. Look, I don't care what you guys do. You can beat the perp with a bat. I don't care. Forget about a stranglehold, a chokehold, a half Nelson. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I mean, you got people making those decisions, never had a fight in their life. You guys are out there really trying to, A, take down a bad guy, save your own life. We're going to make rules? How does that make sense? Well, it's a dying profession, unfortunately, and it's a very dangerous profession right now moving forward. You know, it's the first time in my 40 years that I've seen uh, just about every entity in, in government, uh, whether it be the city council, the state, or the federal government, uh, they all turn on the police. And it's not fair to the hard men and, men and women working these streets of New York City on and, a regular and, basis. And, Paul, the truth is you guys are having difficulty recruiting new cops, right? Never saw it like this. There used to be a line for 25,000, 50,000 people taking this test, and there's no uh, there's no appetite for it anymore because of the, the abuse, both physical and uh and verbal abuse these poor cops have to take on the street every day. And the irony is we need more cops now more than ever. Yes. You know, right now uh, our precinct detective squads 
Uh, sometimes we have more prisoners in the cell than we do have detectives working in that squad. You're kidding yeah, me. It's, it's very sad. Oh, my God. And the average detective, some of the squads are carrying uh, anywhere from 350 to 500 cases. So it's, uh, you know, it's bursting at the, she- at the seams, and we, we need more detectives in the precinct squads, in the homicide squads, in crime scene. You know, it's very important uh, to the safety and uh, the economic machine of this city. Uh, I know that Eric Adams unveiled the plan last week, about a half a billion dollars. He really singled out two boroughs, Brooklyn and the Bronx, mm-hmm. where most of the crime happens, right. and six uh, precincts, I guess, six, I should, excuse me, six neighborhoods in particular that seem to be a very, very big issue. What do you think about that plan? Did you, did you like it? Do you think it has any real teeth to it or not really? Well, until there's a consequence for carrying a firearm, uh, I don't think things will change. There needs to be a consequence you know, uh, back years ago, if you got caught with an illegal firearm, it was a mandatory minimum of one year in jail. I think if there's a law put on the books, whether it be six months, a year, I think uh, the gun violence would go down. What do you think of Bodito's idea to make it a federal crime? Well, that's something that uh, the feds should step in, and they step in when they uh, when they could, but there's a certain criteria that has to be met before the feds could step in. Gotcha. Michael Sullivan checks in. He says, great interview. What a straight shooter. Great guy. Please send my love. Good man. Everybody man. loves Paul DiGiacomo. And, uh, of course, you were that that uh, that uh, big police ball that night with Stephen Van Zandt yes, and Mike yes. Sullivan. Yep, that was man. a beautiful night. Well, listen, I, I think you're great. I really do. You're, you're an honorable man, a terrific guy. Uh, you've been great to me and my family. You're great to this city. You are a treasure here in New York, Paul DiGiacomo. So thank you so much. Well, I thank you for supporting the members of the NYPD. Thank you, you got very it. much. And I'm going to see you in uh, at Russo's by the Bay. That's right. What That's is that, in October? October, yes. We'll be honoring uh, all of our, uh, you know, uh, they're called mayor, ex- mayor exempts. These are all uh, detectives that were injured in the line of duty oh. that are confined to wheelchairs, and we're going to be honoring them. So we look forward oh to that. Oh, my God. How many uh, of those are there? I think there's 12. Oh, my God. What a night. I had no idea that was going to even – I'm even more happy to come now. It's going to be And the great night. Frankie Russo. We love Frankie oh, Russo. Gonna, yes. But we love you, Paul DiGiacomo. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. There he is, the head of the DEA, the man Paul DiGiacomo. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. You came when I was happy in the sunshine. I'm going to show a whole new musical life to you, Liz Pipko. It ain't going to be just hip-hop and whatever other I club. actually know who this is. Yeah, who was it? We were just talking about her. Who? Olivia Newton-John. Very good. She died a year ago today. Did Grace, you cry when she died? I did cry. Oh, you did? Grease is one of my all-time favorite movies, so yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Danny Zuko mm-hmm. and uh, Sandra D. Now John Travolta's uh, kind of weird, I think. I don't know. It's hard to explain him, but <laughs> I still love him. I'll always yeah. love him. Tony Manero, and he was even great in uh, Urban Cowboy. Did you see that? Are you too young for that? Yeah. Well, well, you're too young for Greece, too. What year were you born? 95. 95. So you were like minus 17 years old when Greece came out. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's iconic. I don't know. It's one of my favorites. Have you actually seen it in a movie theater? Or just, no, no. Just, just on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the movies now, I noticed, I don't go often, but I go every now and then, especially now I'm, I'm going to be in a movie, and they have these uh, throwback nights. Do so they? they'll play like Gone with the Wind. Oh, yeah. They'll okay. play Gone with the Wind. They'll play yeah. Greece. Didn't they try to cancel Greece? They try to cancel Greece, right, and they did cancel Gone they with did. the Wind. Yeah, that's yeah. probably why they're not playing them. And that's probably why yeah. you're right, yes. Uh, but you've never done that before. No. 
Have you ever gone to a drive-in movie theater? I have heard about them, <laughs> but never... I've literally only seen them in TV shows. You've only seen, like... I grew up in Manhattan. I Fred don't Flintstone went to one. You had it was like yes, a, remember I know. that one? And you... <laughs> of course, loved him. <laughs> so you've never done that either. Mm. You know they have one in Margate in Florida, not that far from you. Okay, a real Good drive-in theater. Yeah, my husband's from Buffalo, so he told me about these, and they yeah. sound magical. But never, never experienced When you say it. they sound magical, do you mean yeah. that? They, they, I do. Like, yeah. very old, old school yeah. outside. Like, you're, just... you're, you're, one, the reason why I like you so much, to be honest, is you have an old soul. Yeah. Even though the you know musical taste and <laughs> guys and all, it's, uh, it's uh, somewhat sophomoric. Yeah. But, um, but you have an old soul, and I like that. And I think you, 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 you tend to appreciate things that are no longer here. That's for sure. Right? Yeah, while well, trying desperately to bring them back. Your father is a big fan of the show. Yeah. And he's like that. He's a he's a he smart is a very show. old soul. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like your father actually. He's the best. Uh Louie, you love Paul DiGiacomo. He wants him to be mayor. Now he's the head of the DEA. He's got a very busy job. He just can't do both. Not now. I don't care. I want him to do You want both. him, right? <laughs> That's it. I don't he's care. A, he's an even keeled smart guy. He's a good man. Can you imagine him sitting there talking about God and yelling about how someone told him to be mayor and scream about that? No. Or doing the worm at 3 o'clock in the morning yes. at Club Bon Zero? No. Yeah. Not Paul. Or <laughs> just dribble coming out of Yeah, it. no, not yeah. No. Were you impressed with uh, with Paul? I was. You were, right? Yeah, they I were talking see. about wanting him to run, and I was like, I could see that. You can see that, yeah. 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 Justin? He, did, he didn't seem too fond of it. No, he doesn't want to. <laughs> no. Do no, no nobody, nobody wants that job. <laughs> True. Justin, did you... Um, uh, did you uh, put down Arthur Idol up at seven forty tomorrow? Or did you give me a day for uh, Anthony Cumia to bring him back on a weekly basis? What well, day? It well, it depends what time you wanna you wanna have him on. Well, what are, what are your thoughts? I think uh, Fridays maybe. Yeah, he's he's great for Fridays. Yeah, right now, who do we have? Uh, Andrew Giuliani is seven forty on Fridays, correct. and Joe Tacopina is eight forty, correct. So maybe we'll do Anthony in the nine o'clock hour. He likes to come on later because he does his afternoon show at four o'clock. So, okay. so time is uh, your flight today. Uh, 7.30. Oh, I'm not flying. 7.30 tonight? You're not going anywhere, Justin, no. 7.30 tonight? Yes. So you literally come in for one day, you go back and forth. Usually, yeah. I don't even like to fly all that much. You must. You have to like to fly. I hate to fly. It's a problem. But you fly all the time. I know. I know. My dad used to fly like five times a week, so I feel like this is God showing me what my dad went through. Do you do drugs me. or anything? Do you, <laughs> Never. Do you like, take an uh, Ambien, a Percocet? I or? took a Dramamine yesterday. A Dramamine? Because I have a bad case of vertigo. That's like motion sickness. My yes. mother has vertigo. I know. I'm an old Jewish soul. Right. That's she's, me. she's 88 years old. That's me. She can't even get out of bed some of the time. Uh, you yeah. have a bad bed? I, I'll get it randomly. It's <laughs> It's been a rough few days. How about that? She has the shake and bake. Okay. <laughs> I have it all. <laughs> Literally funny. have it all. Oh, my God. Well, have a safe trip back tonight. Thank you. We'll do this again in a couple of, of weeks. It's always great to see you. Thank all you. the guys love you. Lou loves you. Justin loves you. I love you. Noam loves you. Noam, great job today, too. Justin, Lou, as always, great work. We've got a huge show planned again tomorrow. Great guest list. Make sure you're here dark and early at 6 a.m. So from all of us on Sitting Friends in the Morning to all of you, until 6 a.m. on a Wednesday.